Central 11. A cab driver accused of striking and killing a pedestrian with his car last year is pleading guilty. Investigators say Dale Dern was driving under the influence when he hit 55-year-old Jafar Bay and uh, 27-year-old on the sidewalk of Liberty Avenue. Mm. Bay was killed as he was on his way to babysit his grandchildren. Oh, awful. Dern was sentenced to four to eight years in prison. How don't you get more than that in prison? I don't know. Killing somebody when you're drunk. Right. Um... Representatives with AAA say gasoline prices in Pennsylvania are among the highest in the country. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I was saying that to you guys a couple of weeks ago. I feel like the gas prices have spiked. Analysts say the Commonwealth is averaging $3.09 per gallon of regular grade. Reps say that's the 10th highest average in the country, and it's partially due to Pennsylvania's gas tax. So there you go. We have a gas tax? We have a gas tax. We got to get rid of that gas tax. American Idol news. We were all rooting for Gabby, but alas, it was not to be. The first winner of the American Idol reboot is 20-year-old Maddie Poppy. Poppy. I think that's how you say her name. Mm-hmm. She's from Iowa. She was handled. Big Poppy is what they call her. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She was handed the title last night during the second part of the show's finale. Caleb Lee Hutchinson came in second, followed by Gabby Barrett in third. Way to go, Gabby. You made us proud. Kicked ass. Oh, yeah. She's she's a badass. Yeah. With the pipes to prove it. She'll she, have a long she did, she did great last night. I, I actually watched. I was flipping back and forth between that and the hockey game. Yeah? Yeah. And if she wasn't singing, I w- it was a tune out for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a... You know, I'm glad she was on it and did well. I just... That, that format still... I guess American Idol did way better than they thought it was going to in the ratings. Uh, that being said, it's still, sure. I kind of, I'm, I'm reality showed out uh, in terms of like those contest shows. I was pleasantly surprised to see Gary Clark Jr. I yeah. thought he kicked ass. He's a badass. But other than that, it's a series of commercials. Like the whole show is inside of a commercial. Yeah. It feels like, like uh, the, those celebrity judges, they basically get them to do it by saying, Hey, look, we're going to let you perform and you know you can p- perform your new single. We'll promote your tour dates. It's a nice gig for them. I'm sure they make millions, and their record mm-hmm. sales go up whenever they do that show. But, but they- it's awful for us, <laughs> right? And I don't think it's fair for the contestants. Like, <laughs> think just think about the stage that night, like. You have to go up and follow Katy Perry, who's singing it, her new single. That's a good point. That's it's good like, point. oh God, I got to go up here and do a duet with Luke Bryan. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that guy seems to be confused quite a bit. He, he's always confused. He never really knows. I feel like I could turn it on and he'd be facing backwards. What now? Where uh, I don't know where the camera is now. Now y'all gotta stop fooling with me. Poppy got to sing alongside Kermit the Frog. Now hey. I, I don't know how a puppet can sing, y'all. <laughs> Hutchinson performed with the country singer Darius Rucker, and Gabby took the stage with the <laughs> aforementioned Luke Bryan. Aside from Poppy's win, she and Hutchinson were gifted a trip to Hawaii. The two of them will be hitting the road soon with the rest of the season's top seven for a summer tour. Oh, very nice. So Gabby's going on tour. Well, after they eliminated Gabby, 
they revealed that the top two were a couple. That dude Caleb and and the girl Maddie. Feels like, like well, no this thing. is weird. Hmm. Like a gang. I don't know. Now I I don't know if that breaks any of the contest rules, y'all. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look back in this paperwork. <laughs> now now I can't read, y'all. <laughs> A cab driver is, uh, oh, I already did that horrible story. Prince Harry, newlyweds, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are delaying a honeymoon to carry out some of their royal duties. I'm going to take a royal duty myself. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are taking part. In I a- just took a Duke and Duchess before I got here. <laughs> they are taking part in a garden party today to kick off the 70th birthday celebration for Harry's father, Charles, the Prince of Wales. Garden party. I've never been to one of those. Yeah, went to a garden party. Sounds classy. It's the couple's first public appearance since their royal wedding. Seen by millions in Sally Wigan on Saturday, they will be honeymooning <laughs> on safari and oh. in Namibia, or as we know it here in America, Nambia. I thought you were going to say Wakanda. No, they call that's Yeah, Nambia. <laughs> Our president called it Nambia. Oh. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now I don't know if that's a real country, y'all. Bob Seger's ready to return to the road after postponing his tour with the Silver Bullet Band due to spinal surgery in October. This is great news. Seger announced yesterday the first thirteen rescheduled runaway train tour dates, starting in Kansas City on November twenty fourth, with dates scheduled through February twenty third in Los Angeles. The trek is designed to support his latest album, "I Knew You When," which is dedicated to his late friend Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Now, there's another guy that's pretty confused a lot of the times. I don't know what you're talking about. I told a guy to speak Chinese last night. <laughs> Bob, and no, you didn't. Last but not least, the U.S. Postal Service is introducing its first scratch and sniff stamp. The Frozen Treats Forever stamps will go on sale on the first day of summer and will feature illustrations of a variety of icy pops on a stick. So what will these stamps smell like? Postal Service spokesman Mark Saunders We'll only say that the stamps offer the sweet scent of summer. Boy, I hate to hear Michael Keaton have to say that during his <laughs> commencement speech the other day. They were Adidas Stan Smith's classic. Sweet smell of summer. He says we'll just have to wait until the stamps roll out on June 20th to get the aromatic specifics. Hey, uh, you know, maybe it's not a great business plan. You know, the post office is kind of in the tank. Maybe don't do the scratch and sniff stamps. Right. That sounds a little pricey. Mike Lang on the show a little bit later on this morning. Sean Casey, Billy Gardell, full slate for you. Also, uh, we were talking about Gary Clark Jr. being on the show. Here he is doing the Beatle. Pretty whacked out version of Come Together there for you. The DV Comedy Festival is going to be June 29th and now the 30th. We've added a third show. Doug Benson... Is going to come into town to do his Doug Loves Movies podcast. Perform it live at the Rex Theater. It's a 420 start, as always. He always <laughs> starts at 420. Uh, if you know anything about Doug, you know why. Doors open at 3 o'clock. Tickets are 25 bucks On sale now at dve.com. This is a, a really fun show to go see. It's uh, you know There's a lot of audience participation. He always has some of his co- comedian friends on the stage with them. So don't miss out on this. Once again, tickets at dve.com. The night before, of course, the main stage, our own Bill Crawford will be performing with uh, uh, Burke Kreischer. 
Rory Scoville, Sarah Tiana, and Brad Williams. Here is uh, Brad Williams, and we talked about the sex life of little persons, because Brad, being a little person himself, can attest to the fact that the ladies love mm-hmm. little people. Our buddy uh, uh, Sean, God rest his soul, uh, mm-hmm. he he used to tell us that women had a fantasy mm-hmm. con- constantly. He he used to he was uh, he was a ladies' man, yeah, and he would say he would all the time tell us you wouldn't believe it you think i'm lying i'm telling you right now no, women, and he said he didn't have to do anything women yeah. would come up to him all the time women have bucket lists too guys right <laughs> i want you to know that it's not just you thinking oh i don't want a hooters waitress and then i want a threesome it's like yeah there's women there there's women that are thinking stuff too and and just so you know women's bucket list sexually Guys, I'm, I, I hate to burst your bubble on this. It's way weirder than yours. <laughs> it's way weirder than yours, okay? Because men just have the thing like, I want to hook up with a stripper. Women have the thing of like, I want to dress him up. <laughs> I want him to be missing one leg, and I want him to do things with that peg leg that he's never like. <laughs> I want him to be missing one leg. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Like so, so there's and and here's here's also something that I'll say is is why uh, me and your friend, who I'm assuming is a little person, that's yeah. why you're talking about him, uh, that is why we would hook up with women so often is that uh, we're safe. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm four foot. I'm four feet tall. So if, if a woman decides in in the middle of it, if there's a, a, a Z's and sorry situation where Cat she's all person. yeah, where she's all of a sudden like no. I can't do anything. She's in control of that situation. She just has to hop on a stool like I'm a mouse coming into the kitchen, and I can't reach her. There's nothing that's going to happen. She just has to put her hand out, like full extension of the arm, put it into my forehead like a Le'Veon Bell stiff arm, and I'm not I'm not reaching her. Okay? It's just a stiff arm away. From yeah, you're safety. safe. You're yeah. safe. To whereas if you do that with a guy who's six foot four six foot two if he flips that switch you know there's not much of a choice in that matter sure. uh, and, and and that's the unfortunate situation but with me he's get nothing. a broom yeah, yeah just did, <laughs> just do what my dad used to do to me when i got in trouble as a kid when i got in trouble as a kid my dad would never hit me he would pick me up he would put me on a counter and then leave <laughs> <laughs> strand you yeah everyone's like that's mean it's like it worked <laughs> i made I, I i made friends with the with, with the kitchen appliances, that's right. Can opener. Yeah, left exactly. him on an island. Yeah. Wait, you took him to the uh, no. I just left him on the kitchen island. Yeah, I left him on the kitchen island. <laughs> Thankfully, we had a lazy Susan. I could like ride around it. That was my merry-go-round. I just hopped on the lazy Susan and spin. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is back. He's got sports for you now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Pirates are back in action tonight in Cincinnati. Jameson Tyone, 2-3 with a 3.97 ERA against Matt Harvey, 0-2, 6.17. The Pirates coming off a third straight loss to the San Diego Padres on Sunday, a game that saw the Bucs lose after taking a lead into the ninth inning for the first time this season. They had been 21-0. In those situations, now they are 21-1, and and it was uh, an ugly ninth on Sunday. Pirates will try to shake that off, and Tyone will try once again to uh, record a victory. He hasn't done that since that one-hit masterpiece shutout of the Reds 
back on April the 8th. He's 0-3 in his last seven starts. And uh, the finger laceration issue, the latest uh, hurdle that Tyone has had to overcome. Uh, He is coming off a couple of relatively successful performances, uh, five and two-thirds innings uh, for a no decision against the White Sox in his most recent outing. Before that, three scoreless innings against the Giants. That's when the finger laceration cropped up. But uh, they can get a lot more than than they've gotten out of Jamison Tyon thus far. And he's going to be a critical guy the rest of the way in terms of whether the Pirates are going to be able to build on this good start and actually do something with it or if they're going to settle back into being more the kind of the team everybody was anticipating this year. Bucks are 26-20 and overall. They're two games behind Milwaukee in the NL Central, but they're also trailing St. Louis and the Chicago Cubs. The Reds are 16-32, and 32, 13 games out. Cincinnati's lost two in a row, but the Reds have gone 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They've been playing better of late. And as we saw last year, even when the Reds really stink, it's no guarantee that the Pirates can beat them. So, <laughs> right. Fairly important series for the Bucks, For sure. Given the way they've scuffled of late and uh, given that a lot of people will expect them to right the ship against the Reds. We'll see if they can get that done. There will be a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Final. The Caps saw to that last night with a 3 nothing shutout of Tampa Bay. Washington outshot Tampa 34-24 to and outhit the Lightning 39-19. to T.J. Oshie broke a scoreless tie with a power play goal at 15-12 of the second period. The Caps got one from Devontae Smith-Pelly midway through the third and in an empty netter from Oshie to close things out. Washington finally got the special teams uh, figured out. The Caps went 1-for-1 one one on the power play. Tampa went 0-for-2. Looked like Washington was the better team for the majority of it to me. Again, that's a third, no question. third straight game. I've come away with that impression, but Washington's only 1-2 and two in those games. Uh, it's going to be a compelling Game 7 on Wednesday night in Tampa, and this will be the fifth consecutive year that at least one series in the conference finals will require a Game 7. Tampa Bay pretty familiar with this scenario. The uh, Lightning beat the Rangers in Game 7 in 2015 and lost to the Pens in Game 7 in 2016. Caps ought to be pretty familiar with this scenario as well. This will be Washington's 11th Game 7 since the start of the 2008 playoffs. Oh, man. That's more than uh, anybody else has played. NHL also uh, came out with a schedule for the Stanley Cup final yesterday. That'll start on Monday, either in Las Vegas or Tampa. It'll go uh, Monday, May 28th, Wednesday, May the 30th, Saturday, June 2nd, Monday, June the 4th, Thursday, June the 7th, Sunday, June the 10th, and Wednesday, June the 3rd. As per tradition, the Stanley Cup final will have two days when the venue shifts instead of one. So you get your best possible rest. That's yeah. That way they ensure that nobody's played too much hockey. Right. Having to get to the Stanley Cup final. That way they make sure that the parade is in August. Yeah, the arduous task of playing the sport you train to play. Mike, not play impressed with these guys needing a, for uh, a breather this late in the, in the, yeah. uh, in the going. Well, it's I, clear Vegas hasn't played too much hockey. They only lost three times to get to the final. And they played none before this year. True. So what no, an nobody advantage. played any hockey. What before an advantage this. that's proven right. to be, right? Only one year. 
<laughs> they dropped those guys out of the sky. Yeah. That story go. is remarkable. It's pretty. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It's incredible. I'm, I just, I'm curious to see who will be favored. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously it depends. If it's Tampa, I think it's Vegas. If it's if it's Washington, I think it's them. Not, I think I think the Caps are loaded. I I think they're a very good team, but yep. boy, they have to work their asses off to score on. Uh, Vasilevsky, he's so good. He's been they great. This really, whole it, it, they have to get a ton of great looks, and then a couple go in. Maybe that's he's he's keeping Tampa right in that thing. It's too uh, simplified to just say this uh, that you know whoever's the better goalie wins Game Seven. But truly, yeah, if that's going to be a huge part of it. I mean, if hope hope he's a little bit shaky, hope he shut out last night was his first of the season. Regular season or playoffs? Come wow. on! Good time to peak. Yeah. <laughs> Penn State general manager Jim Rutherford not involved in the playoffs, but he had some interesting things to say to our buddy James Mackey. Uh, Mackey doing an interview with Rutherford yesterday. Among the topics that uh, Jim Rutherford addressed was the whole Mark Andre Flurry to Vegas thing. A lot of Penguins fans are, are rethinking that one, or so it seems. Uh, Rutherford said, quote, we did what we had to do. It was tough for Mark those two years when Murray came in and outplayed him and played the majority of games. Whether there was expansion or not, Mark wanted to move on. He and I worked together on that. We worked and worked and got him to the place that he wanted to go. He's taking the opportunity and taking it to the limits. I am very, very happy for him. Wow. Well, kind of putting a little bit of a pin in the narrative of he was jettisoned out of here. Against his wishes. No. He, he would have preferred to stay here and be the starter, but he wasn't going to be the starter. Right. So it worked out how it worked out. Rutherford also took a shot at Caps winger uh, Tom Wilson. Uh, <laughs> looking back to the Game 3 in the Pittsburgh ser- Pittsburgh-Washington series when Wilson lit up Zach Aston-Reese and Jamie Alexiak wanted to fight Wilson. Wilson did not... Uh, Take him up on that offer. Quote, when Jamie challenged Wilson, he couldn't run quick enough to get away from him. Until, of course, the referees got in close. Then Wilson comes back and says something to him. Hey, you don't have to fight. A lot of people think you should. If you're going to play that way, I think you have to. Yeah, that's the common theory. But let me ask you this. Is a check not part of the game? If you score a goal, do you have to fight? No. If you have a nice assist, do you have to fight? Nope. If you have a big hit, oh, all of a sudden now you got to fight. If the other team who made that use it as a dirty hit, then yes. Yeah. Well, you got you got a penalty, right? Scoring is not does not frequently take uh, the play outside of the bounds of the game. Uh, you know, setting up a guy for a goal is part of the game. The check. A lot of times, very easy for it to all of a sudden become something else that's not a part of the game. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're making you know you're you're making a uh, a little bit of a disingenuous comparison there. Well, be- I just, because I think fighting, those things don't have the the possibility to also be viewed as a felony. Number one, I think fighting is stupid. Right. And number two, that's why you have referees to view whether there's a felony or not, and yeah. they, they should police the game. But they don't. Well, then that's the problem with the referee. What did they call last night? Not much. 
And to 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 the argument that we're having right now, Smith Pelly hit somebody. I can't remember who it was. Was it? He crushed two people last night. Yeah, was it? Yeah, well, he got one of his own guys. Yeah. Uh, he crushed somebody. I, the one in, behind the net. I, I can't remember the guy, but and I, and he didn't have to fight. It was yeah. just because it was a clean hit. It was a strong hit, but I think if the other team views it as what Randy's mm. saying outside the bounds, a dirty hit, mm. then you got to answer for that. So then you got to go sit in the penalty box, and you're a first line winger, and the guy you're fighting is a number six defenseman. Well, that's why nobody fought last night. It was an elimination yeah. game. Who wins that trade? I'm not defending the hit, but I just think, you know, for Rutherford to comment on that now after they beat his team comes off to me a little little whiny. I'm sure I'm the only person in Western Pennsylvania that will feel that way, but Yes, you uh, are. I feel that way nonetheless. Steelers <laughs> open OTAs today on the south side. I can't wait to go over there and see how they sort it out between Morgan Burnett, Terrell Edmonds, and Sean Davis. I'm just waiting to see if Mason's going to take Ben's job before Ben even shows up. Coming up, we got Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang. You can ask him what uh, you were just uh, querying the room on. 815 for the Hockey Hall of Famer. Sean Casey, Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer. 845. We'll talk to him as the Buckos get set to take on the Big Red Machine. Billy Gardell, live from Los Angeles, coming up at 9 a.m. right here on the DVE Morning it is the DVE Morning Show, one of the most iconic instruments in all of rock and roll went up for uh, auction the other day. Bob Dylan, the guitar he used on the tour where he went electric for the first time, oh, 1965. Man. So he's performing nationwide then on his first electric uh, tour. He got booed all over the place. People were pissed. Yeah, it, there's some interesting accounts of it. I mean, Robbie Robertson really plays up, when he's interviewed about it, he really plays up the angle that oh, people were really angry and they were booing us when we came off the stage. And meanwhile, Lee Von Helm, who was the only other member of the band, I think, that played with him. I don't think it was like the full band. It wasn't Rick oh, Danko and Garth Hudson. Say. I think it was just Lee Von and uh, Robbie Robertson. And then I, they had another bass player and possibly uh, a piano player. Uh, but at any rate, Levon's recollection was more like, man, w- uh, people were pissed because they couldn't hear it because somebody cut the cable, which is rumored to be Pete Seeger, like taking an axe to, to to the PA because it flew in the face of what the Newport Folk Festival was supposed to be about, which was only acoustic, know. the most natural. What like what, what did a what did electric signify to them? Uh, selling out to the. Just not what it was, yeah, yeah. This to was the masses, folk. you know, they were doing folk music, and he came out with a rock band. It would be like if you went to Jamboree in the Hills and rappers came out on stage. How do you think they would respond? Or if one of the acts came out as a rapper, like more, more, more they came yeah. there to see, right? Yeah, that probably wouldn't go well. Right. So think of it in those terms in 1965. So he's selling that guitar. Uh, that It's not the one he used on stage that night. It's the one he took on tour because it was part of the the band's musical inventory. It was really Robbie Robertson's guitar, and he gave it to Dylan to use on that tour. Oh, man. Yeah, so that it was... probably claimed a pretty penny. 
the 19, wait, which one is this? No, see, he's auctioned off so many guitars. So he has the original one that he used. No, probably. he auctioned that off in 2013. That went for over a million. This one went for $490,000. And it was originally black, but all the paint wore off of it. So Robbie Robertson is the one who sold it. And he must be hard up for money or something, which I can't even believe because he has so much money from The Last Waltz and all the band records. He has all the publishing for those. Does he really? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's why the band hates him. That's why those guys hated him. And Levon hated him like right up to his deathbed. So he sold it the other day, $490,000. But he used it on recordings like the basement tapes. Uh, and he used it for uh, uh, the album Blonde on Blonde. And he used it on this song. Classic. DVE. Oh, yeah, the DVE Morning Show, Randy D. Women, number 12 and 35. I'm not sure why they named it that. I never really looked into it. I'm guessing the song was Randy D. Women, and they mm -hmm. had 35 takes of it, <laughs> and they used part of number 12 and part of the 35th take. <laughs> Rehearsed it quite a bit. There are Dylan fans out there right now who are grinding their steering wheel down to uh, to dust right now. They're so angry that I don't know that. Dylan fans, like, they are disciples. Well, they can't get too angry in a Prius, right? No. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Dylan Pip Cadillacs. I don't see that as, like, the typical Dylan fan. I don't know. I see more of a libertarian streak in a lot of Dylan fans, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, don't tell me what to do. Oh, you want me to drive a fuel-efficient car? I'm going to drive a blimp. <laughs> How do you like that? I'm getting a Hummer. I'm taking, How about that? I'm going to drive a tank to work every day. How do you like them apples? Mike Pursuit is coming in uh, with sports later in the hour. There's going to be a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, Ovi's still alive. It could be the Flurry-Ovi matchup that I kind of wanted to see. I think that'll – I mean, it's probably best for hockey. Oh, the ratings will be huge if it's D.C., Vegas. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we got Mike Lang coming in, 8.15. Well, he'll give us a shout. We'll talk to him about that and uh, about this improbable story of the Las Vegas Golden Knights and their leader, Mark andre Flippin' Flurry. The what flower. What a couple of years that guy has had. Also, Sean Casey gives us a call from the MLB TV headquarters in New York as he, uh, uh, well, yesterday he... <laughs> he... He, he wounded Cal Ripken Jr. He hit Rip right in the face. Billy Ripken. Oh, was it Billy Ripken? Yeah. Rip! He, uh, he ripped a screamer off his face. Huh. <laughs> he, hit a, he hit a line drive laser back to the mound. So <laughs> the Bucko's about to take on the Reds, and we'll talk with former Cincinnati Red and former Bucko, by the way, Sean Casey. Also, Billy Gardell in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, a new feature for you coming up, too. Uh, hot take time machine. This is, we take hot takes of the day and we put them in this uh, special device we found online, the hot take time machine, and it takes them back into time and shows you what they <laughs> would have been like in another era, those same hot takes. Also, MTV Music Tele-Revision. We make Bill Crawford watch the videos from the 80s that he's never seen. He reviews them for you. Today we do Journey Separate Ways. I'm very excited to review this. Yes, that had to be fun for you to gaze upon. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a glorious, glorious video. It really is. It's an awesome one. That'll be 745 coming up. How much is the hooch, Val? Well, you have to, I don't know if it's like an auction, but you have to, you have to win the lottery first. 
You have to win the lottery to buy the booze. Is yes. that correct? Yes, because it's so... Okay, here's how that conversation would go in Swissville. Hey, you know, let's get in that lottery and we can win a ticket to buy that expensive booze. And it's quiet, and then your buddy goes, or we can go drink for 19 hours for 12 bucks at Rocco's. <laughs> this is a classic bird in the hand versus... One in the bush type thing. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Billy Gardell will be on the show later this morning, 9 a.m. He'll join us from Los Angeles, California. Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang at 8.15. Sean Casey will be on the show, 8.45. He'll give us a shout from the MOTV headquarters where he is probably showing up a little haggard this morning after having taken, uh, having to take Billy Ripken out for drinks because he blasted <laughs> him in the face. On the set yesterday. I don't know why they always play wiffle ball like that on the set. Neither do I. Because you know, Casey's just got no regard for anybody. He always breaks stuff when he does that. I think that they were trying to show some hitter who has the oppo taco power that can uh-huh. just hit him over the wall in, in the opposite field, but he just hit a screamer right back to the mound and pegged Billy Ripken in the face. Smacked him right in the face. Total Casey move there. Sean will be on the show. Oh, my God, Rip, you okay? Are you all right? He's just... Oh, my God, I feel so bad. <laughs> this is on MLB TV yesterday. Here's Sean Casey being Sean Casey. Third base, Doug. Right, right. Make just, sure I'm okay, safe. Okay, let, let me make sure. Okay, there we go. I like it. Boom. All right, perfect. You're safe. Oh! Oh, my God, Rip, you all right? <laughs> Rip. I'm so sorry. No, you should try to oh, hit somebody I'm sorry. In the I'm dugout. sorry. I'm going to get this one. I promise. My eyes are watering. <laughs> That's not even like a whiffle. I mean, it's like a hard plastic ball. Oh. Okay, so he'll be on 845. Then it's Why good to are them. they doing that? I have no idea. No idea. Hey, let's take a look at the weather. You know, yesterday was ridiculously nice. So beautiful yesterday. 85 degrees like out of nowhere. Perfect. What's it look like today? Brought to you by Dormont Appliance. Here's your weather for today. Inter 11. News brought to you by BobbyRayhall.com. I'm Val Porter. This year's five, uh, Fortune 500 list is out with six Pittsburgh area companies on it. Kraft Heinz landed above the others in the area at number 114. Bang. Made it top 20, 120. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, an eight-spot drop since the previous year with a revenue of just over 26 billion dollars the other five companies listed were pnc financial services group incorporated ppg i Al- heard it huh? alcoa wesco international and dick sporting goods fortune 500 released its list monday and has compiled it for the past 64 years if you ask the average pittsburgher uh which six pittsburgh area companies they thought were on the fortune 500 list you know you'd get like okay permanis Giant Eagle, mm. uh, Isleys, probably Isleys, Fioris, <laughs> and mm. that place in the strip that got Biscotti. Shop and save. Obama's going to Netflix. Former President Barack Obama and his wife Michelle are doing business with Netflix. The Obama signed a multi-year deal to produce movies and series for the giant streaming service. If he doesn't name his series, thanks, Obama. I think he's missing an opportunity. Yeah, but really missing out there. 
Now, this may include work on documentaries. In a statement, Obama and the former First Lady said they hope to help cultivate talented and creative voices and help them share their stories with the world. I I get wrapped up in so many of the Netflix documentaries. Last week, Me too. I did The Evil Genius so good. and the Rachel Carson documentary because I felt like uh, I'm from Pittsburgh. I should know more about Rachel Carson. Who is Rachel Carson? Right. You should watch that documentary. You're not going to tell me? She was an important author and scientist who basically fought to keep us healthy. She would be. She was the anti-Scott Pruitt, and she grew up in Springdale. It's like 14 miles up the Allegheny or something like that. So she's not why it's named Carson Street. No, I thought she was, but I guess she's not, or maybe she is. But ironic if it was the reason why it was named Carson Street since she fought to keep poisons away from us, and that's a street where you can poison yourself on a daily basis. (laughs) But it's a really good documentary, and then I just finished Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Oh, my God, you got to watch that. How many many episodes? That one's six. That one took me five days. I saw people tweeting about that a couple weeks ago. What what is it? It's about the Bhagwan Rajneesh uh, cult that popped up in Oregon in the early 80s. And like oh, ne- the Bhagwan Ranish. It was a big deal back then, and it was amazing what they were able to do, and you forget about it. That's why every time like things seem really crazy, when you watch the news now, it is a bit comforting to look back when things were also crazy and see like, okay, there were other times where things were totally bananas. <laughs> this yeah. was one of them. I highly recommend it because it shows the cult mentality. It shows how people can get swept up in an idea and then completely corrupt themselves to keep the idea alive. Some resonant themes, you might say, Bill. Go check that out. Reoccurring themes. It's really good. Yeah. All right. I got to check that out. Uh, But uh, no idea what the Obamas are going to be doing. I thought that that uh, that series Barry was about him. No? (laughs) No, it's not. Okay. No. It's about another murderer. Uh, Oklahoma... (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Not Oklahoma. I got uh, caught up with the voice story there. Uh, the Olympic figure skater Adam Rippon. He's not from Oklahoma, is he? No. I think he's from here. He's taking home the mirror ball trophy this season on Dancing with the Stars. Athletes. He and his dancing partner, Jenna Johnson, were crowned the winners last night during the live finale. I had no idea that was going on. I had American Idol fever. They also landed the highest collective scores of the night from the judges after performing a jazz routine and a freestyle dance. Rippon beat out football player Josh Norman of the Washington Redskins and figure skater Tanya Harding. Did you know she was in there? Oh, no. I would have watched. Hi, Tanya. Gabby last night, by the way, placed third. Congrats to Gabby Barrett, Pittsburgh's own, for uh, representing the Berg so well and doing great. She lost out to the poppy, Maddie Poppy, and her boyfriend who came in second. Kind of weird. Seems unfair, but I don't know why. The fact that those two people were dating and they came in number one and number two on American Idol. They conspired to edge out our girl. Yeah, but I don't know how. You I don't can't. like it. Right. It's, if it were Survivor or something like that, I would think there was something to that. But it's really based on talent. So the fact that they were dating shouldn't have mattered, right? No, there's something fishy going on. I agree with you. I'm going to alert Alex Jones. <laughs> Get InfoWars on that, please. Sick of making the frogs gay. <laughs> The top Al, Adam Rippon was that uh, the the skater from wasn't he from like Scranton or something? I don't think he, he was, was from PA. Was he? he? Definitely was. Yeah. 
He was uh, quite the uh, flamboyant personality. And congratulations, he now is the Dancing with the Stars winner. The top four on The Voice are vying one last time for America's votes. Jesus, everything's going on at the same time. All these finales. Contestants Kyla Jade, Britton Buchanan, Brian. I don't know any of these people. Good luck to all of them. Next story. <laughs> Guns N' Roses is out with a previously unseen music video for the Appetite for Destruction track, It's So Easy. That was released yesterday. The clip was filmed live in 1989 at the infamous Cat House Club in Hollywood and recently uncovered as part of a digitally restored issued of the band's 1987 debut studio album, Appetite for Destruction. That remains the best-selling U.S. debut album to date. I didn't realize that. I thought uh, Hootie and the Blowfish would have come close to that. No way. Not even close. 30 million copies worldwide. Appetite for Destruction is sold. Wow. It's amazing. And the most important part, none of those guys have done Dancing with the Stars. Thank God. <laughs> I actually can't be sure of that. Dude. Slash how, might have done it. How great would it be to see Slash doing that? Or Matt Sorum. Just doing a Tasmanian devil dance out there. Doesn't he sound like the Tasmanian devil when he talks? Yeah. It's like everything. No, imagine. no, it's not Matt Sorum. It's um, you're right. Ah, oh, it's who's the other drummer? Steven. Ah, Steven Adler. Thank you, Steven Adler. Joe Rikiki comes through. Joe uh, Rowe. Joe Rowe. Last but not least, uh, an asteroid in Jupiter's orbit is a visitor from outside the solar system. It's the first known extrasolar object believed to have stuck around, unlike a publicized visiting asteroid last year that just passed through. The rock, known as 2015-BZ-509, is in a retrograde orbit, traveling in the opposite direction from everything else. Simulations traced its movement back to the beginning of the solar system and determined it couldn't have been there all those years ago. That's a little creepy. It is. Stuff's now coming into our solar system. Like, but, you hear that story about that black hole that is, like, eating up universes nonstop, and it's, like, the hungriest black hole they've ever found? I don't understand. One of the Kardashians? <laughs> no. What? No. No. Yeah. It's named Chloe. <laughs> that stuff terrifies me. I don't know yeah, how any no. of it works. It definitely does. Is there a possibility where one day they could be like, uh, hey, everybody, this black hole is going to swallow our entire solar system, and in 10 years, uh, we're just going to explode? I'm not sure they would tell us. You know, that would Could you imagine some, the purge that would oh, happen? Terrible. Oh, God, that'd be terrible. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do. And I, I guess I'd reach out to all my friends that are doomsday preppers. <laughs> do you have any room? And last but not least, our airport airplane passenger of the week. It seems like at least once a week, there's a story of somebody freaking out on a plane. How come nobody does this on buses? They probably they probably do. They just expect we it. Just, it's not a news story. It's not newsworthy. <laughs> it's like, oh, somebody lost their mind on a bus. What do you expect? It's a bus. You're on a bus. Uh, a 45 year old guy named Michael Haig was on a Frontier Airlines flight from Denver to Charleston, South Carolina, last week. You ever been on uh, Frontier? No. It's aptly named. He was Spartan conditions. He was pounding double vodka and tonics. Oh, I'm glad you said like that and not he was pounding a and loose part of the wing. No. So he gets loaded. He starts making the women around him uncomfortable by telling them he was, quote, physically excited. And he was staring at them. He even started touching one of their legs. How does not, somebody That's else not, not okay. get up and just start beating the hell out of the drunk guy on the plane when that starts to happen? 
You're like free shots, you know, Bill. Just yeah. get out your aggression on the drunk. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that that's you, you're you're making it sound too simple. I think if there was a guy that was making aggressive eye contact with a boner and hammered, <laughs> it would be hard to get up and just start fighting that guy. You're like got your headphones on and you're just sitting there. You're settling in. You just got uh, your bag of Cheetos out. I'm going to see how this plays out. <laughs> well, here's how it played out. The uh, flight attendants the moved him to an empty row in the back of the plane. And the th- whatever happened next, uh, it's a good thing nobody was sitting in front of him. He started to just pee all over the seats in front of him. A woman who was sitting across the aisle from him took photos of it. So these went viral. You might have seen them by now. Got to say, that's a, this is a plot twist. I did not see this He's coming. He's just peeing all over the seats. I'm apparently mad that they made him move. When the flight landed, he was escorted off by police. Now he's facing federal charges for interf- interfering with flight crew members and indecent exposure. I think he should get life. Oh, that is a tough one to come down from, isn't it? Shouldn't there be, like, at this point, there should be that there should be a spot beneath the plane where it's dedicated to not cargo, but it's a jail. Like the trap e- door, you're down there. You you have to be down there till the end of the flight. So you're, they just DB Cooper you? Yeah, just jettison you from the flight, and wherever you land, you land. No, not not all the way. I mean, <laughs> just plummet you into a uh, a little gulag. It's not a uh, in flight gulag. Not a bad theory. Mike's got your sports uh, coming up here momentarily. That could just be like the Eagle Stadium of of airplanes. Is right, what you're saying, yeah. You could have a judge down there. Like, what was your infraction? Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. (laughs) And if you're found not guilty, they give you more peanuts. (laughs) So we were talking yesterday about all of the hot takes out there on the Internet these days. And just everybody seems to be uh, more willing than ever to throw out very controversial statements. Yeah. I mean, if I log on to Twitter now, I put on sunscreen first. There is a lot of hot takes. A lot of hot takes. So we had our engineers develop something for us called the hot take time machine and what we do is we take the hot takes of the day we put them in the hot take time machine and just like when uh, you see in the movies when somebody gets in a hot tub time machine like in that movie or any other time machine it Mm -hmm. it 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 casts them back to another time this is going going to reconfigure the tweet or the take no matter how or what forum it was presented in it's going to jettison it back to another time bill Right. You understand the premise? Yes, I do. Of the hot take time machine? I do. So the first one, we, we saw our friend Ryan Scarpino, who used to work for the Steelers, uh, was really getting just battered on Pittsburgh Twitter for the following hot take. And we love Ryan. He's a good guy. But that, that tweet, was the temperature on that tweet was uh, pretty high. Yes. His tweet was, people in Pittsburgh are actively rooting against Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't get it. So everybody teed off on him because they're like, no, nope, nobody's rooting again. Nobody's saying that. No, literally, literally not one person I've that. talked to has said that. So uh, let's put it in the uh, hot take time machine. Comes, all right, here you go. And it comes out London, May 1940. Oh, so this is. Whoa. People in England are actively rooting against Winston Churchill. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. I, that's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting transformation take. there. Uh, another hot take. This was uh, from yesterday. Hugh Hewitt, conservative uh, uh, pundit. On MSNBC? Yep. Yeah. His hot take was, in the wake of the latest school shooting, maybe it's time to ban trench coats. That was his uh, his hot take on the uh, order of the day. So scorcher. You put that one in the hot 
take time machine. And it comes out Detroit, June 1978. In the wake of the Ford Pintos exploding gas tanks, maybe it's time to ban trench coats. <laughs> yeah, it makes about as much sense. You know what? Let me fire that up again. Let's see. You do it. And then one up again. Norristown, April 2018. Oh, this is not that far in the past. In the wake of Bill Cosby's being found guilty of sexual assault, maybe it's time to ban multicolored sweaters. <laughs> and uh, last for uh, today's hot take, Time Machine, our friend Mark Madden tweeted the following. To repeat, not one GM in NHL history would have decided to keep Flurry and not Murray this past offseason. Not one, you effing imbeciles. <laughs> Okay, let's put Madden's tweet in the hot take time machine. And it lands in Jerusalem, April 33 oh, wow. AD. To repeat, not one mob member in biblical history would have decided to keep Jesus and not Barabbas. <laughs> not one, you effing imbeciles. <laughs> so there you go. The hot take time machine. Coming up, 745. Bill is always wondering about these videos that me and Val are talking about. He's like, what, what are you guys talking about? So we meet, we're making Bill go back and, and watch some of these videos. They don't present, have the same reference points as you guys. Right. Music television. We're going to do MTV music television where Bill will review videos from yesteryear. Today's video, Journeys Separate Ways. I mean, we couldn't have started off with a better video. That'll be 745. Hockey Hall of Famer. By better, I mean worse. <laughs> Mike Lang at 815. Sean Casey, Billy Gardell, all to come here on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Yeah, it's the DVE Morning Show. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now. Mike, they're going to Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals for the Stanley Cup. They are indeed. The Washington Capitals saw to that last night, and boy, didn't they look like a team that was determined to stave off elimination in their 3 nothing victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. It took a while for the Caps to get started. Nobody could get on the scoreboard until T.J. Oshie's power play goal at 15-12 of period number two, but uh, the Capitals able to build on the lead from there, and Braden Holpe records his first shutout of the season. Good time for it. <laughs> Didn't have one all regular season or in the postseason. But Great got, time to peak. Got one last night. and uh, the special Paced himself perfectly. You know, Washington was one for one on the power play, and uh, that's not a lot of chances. The Caps are not getting on the power play in this series, which has been a problem for them. And Tampa has been very good uh, at the opportunities it's gotten, but not last night, 0 for 2. Goaltending and special teams, boys, means a lot. Meant a lot last night. It'll mean a lot Wednesday in Game 7. This will be the fifth consecutive year that either the Eastern or Western Conference Final has required a Game 7. Tampa Bay has participated in two of those. In 2015, a win over the Rangers. In 2016, a loss to the Penguins. The Caps haven't been able to get on the uh, on on the PEP um, in this series, Mike, and they haven't been able to keep it out of their net when the Lightning get on get a chance. Yeah, last night a big step forward for them in that regard. Um, another uh, answering of adversity for this Washington team, which started out losing the first two at home in overtime to Columbus in round one, overcame that. Then the Caps lost game one to the Penguins, blowing a third-period lead while doing so. And given their history with the Penguins, that surely did not sit well. They overcame that. And now last night facing elimination for the first time. And that's going to be a fun game seven. Then the uh, Stanley Cup final will start 
uh, on Monday, May the 28th for Game 1. If it goes to the limit, seven games. Game 7 will be played Wednesday, June the 13th. Seems a little long for hockey season. Yeah, well, we're used to it at this point. I I like Flurry's chances to win better against Tampa, but I want to see the Flurry Ovechkin matchup. Yeah, that would be pretty good stuff. I think it'll be pretty good stuff either way. That Vegas story is uh, so compelling that I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know the opponent matters that much. But yeah, the Ovechkin Flurry thing, the history there. Wonder if Flurry will come out before game one and just start rubbing the shaft of his stick. <laughs> Remember this? <laughs> I don't think it'll be tickling Tom Wilson's ear. Probably not. Uh, Jim Rutherford won't either. The uh, Penn's general manager had some interesting things to say to Jason Mackey of the Post Gazette yesterday, including this from Jim Rutherford on. Tom Wilson, when Wilson declined to fight the Pens, Jamie Alexiak in Game 3 of the Caps-Pens series. Quote, when Jamie challenged Wilson, he couldn't run quick enough to get away from him. Until, of course, the referees got in close, then Wilson comes back and says something to him. It's so formal in hockey. I'd like to fight you. Please RSVP within the next period. The code, man. The code. you got to abide by the code. I regretfully decline. I think it's a bad look for Rutherford to go after him. At this point, I'm I'm wondering what the I mean, you lost. Uh, yeah, what's the end game? Yeah. What what does he hope to gain from that? I don't know. Or is he just frustrated enough by it? That- I think he's just frustrated enough by him. That's why I think it's a bad look. It seems like he lost his composure for a second because there's no point in bringing that up. Yeah, he didn't win the series. It was game right. three. So well, you know how yeah. old guys get stuff stuck in their craw. He is probably hasn't talked to anybody about it in a in a while. Somebody asked him, and he's like, you know what? I'm glad you asked me. Because I haven't stopped thinking about it. Well, one of the benefits of being an older guy in the NHL who has got as many cups under his belt as GMJR does is that you can say stuff like that and you go, I don't really care. I don't care how it looks. Yeah. I'm not going to be here very much longer. He, he's got, and I'm I, already here longer than I thought I'd be. I just won the last two, so F you. Right. We're at it. <laughs> yeah. And Wilson's still got to win game seven in order to even get in the finals. Yeah. So he's got, he's got a little, uh, l- little bit of a road to hoe still, Mike. Rutherford also had uh, an interesting take on the Mark Andre Fleury to Vegas scenario. This isn't breaking news, but uh, Rutherford restating the details of what went down last year. A lot of people seemingly right now are wondering uh, if the Penguins maybe in retrospect should have kept Mark Andre Fleury instead of Matt Murray. Uh, Rutherford says, quote, we did what we had to do. It was tough for Mark those two years when Murray came in and outplayed him and played the majority of games. Whether there was expansion or not, Mark wanted to move on. People should not forget that. Well, Matt Murray also took the job due to injury. He did, but then he played well enough to keep it. And the the year of the first cup in 2016, they actually put Mark andre Fleury back in for game five against the Lightning at home, and the Penguins lost. And then they went I back. Remember that. Then they went back. So there was his chance to get it back. Did Zach and Zakoff won one of those games too? Mister Game he One won the first game against the Rangers. Yeah. Lost the second, and then Murray was back for the third. Played through till game. So Zakoff had more games than Flurry in that series. In that playoff playoffs, game. yeah, yeah. But you know, Flurry wins Game Five against the Lightning. I'm pretty sure he's going to play Game Six. I'm just sick of all these arguments about it. I mean, any rational fan understands what they had to do. The cheaper guy who has two cups 
in his first two years. Yeah, and was with perceived whole, as better. And has the whole his whole career ahead of him. Why why can't you Makes just sense. see how it played out here for him, feel bad about that, and be happy for him in his situation now and not extrapolate that out to they should have kept him. I don't know. Or Murray's way better. Because the Penguins should win every year, I guess. I think Murray was playing better at the time and was dramatically cheaper. That factors in. I don't think you can separate those two things. No, you can't. Whenever you're – I mean, if they were both making equal money, that decision becomes a lot harder, no? Absolutely. But that's, you know – Salary caps, sports have salary caps. You got to factor that stuff in, and and not and Murray had just won the last two Stanley Cups. Can't do better than he had done at that point. By the way, he won the second one <laughs> with back-to-back shutouts I mean, in the Stanley Cup final. Terrible decision. Should have kept Flurry. All right, we come don't on. Even. This has already been adjudicated. Come they'll, on, they'll never recover. Jameson Tyone gets the ball for the Bucks. In Cincinnati tonight, he's 2-3 with 3.97 ERA. He'll be opposed by Matt Harvey, who is 0-2 with a 6.17 ERA. Oh, how the mighty have fallen there. Harvey's working his way back from injury. He's only gone four innings in his last two starts. Jamison Tyone still looking for his first win since that one-hit shutout of the Reds on April the 8th. In the seven starts that have followed... Tyone is 0-3, but uh, he's done relatively better of late. The Pirates are 5-4 and in Tyone's first nine starts this season. They'll be looking to uh, get back on the winning track after having lost three in a row over the weekend to San Diego. The Bucs are 26-20, and two games behind Milwaukee. Also trailing St. Louis and Chicago in the NL Central. The Reds are bringing up the rear in the division at 16-32, 13 games off the pace. They've lost two in a row. They're 5-5. Five and five in their last 10. And uh, football of sorts will be played on the south side today. The Steelers have scheduled the first of 10 OTAs that will lead us up into veteran mandatory minicamp in the middle of June. And then they'll take uh, about five weeks off and reconvene in Latrobe. It's going to be an interesting uh, kind of spring season this year for the Steelers. A lot of stuff to sort out. Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang coming up. 8.15, Sean Casey, 8.45, Billy Gardell joins us for the entire 9 a.m. hour from Los Angeles, California. And when we come back, it's uh, MTV, Music Tele-Revision, where we make Bill Crawford watch old videos <laughs> that he's never seen and give us a review of them. Today's video for review, Journeys Separate Ways, a classic that you had not known of. You heard me talk about it a lot. Of course. Yeah, I, I've heard you reference this video and... Uh... Never knew what you were talking about. Now I know. Music television. And knowing is half the battle. With Bill Crawford. When we come back. One. Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Along with Bill Crawford. Uh, you know, we're always talking about these videos from back in the day. And you're like, I don't know. What's that all about? Because I don't you, have the same reference point as you and Val. Yeah. You don't have the uh, 80s video knowledge that we do. No. So what I wanted to do was do a series where you went back and looked at these videos and reviewed them for us. In uh, in today's context, sure. and so um, uh, an MTV music tele-revision of sorts here. We're going to go back and uh, a, a bit of a revisionist history on how all of these videos played out. Now, watching '80s movies with 2018 eyes, right? 
So I asked you first to do Journey Separate Ways, which is one of my all-time favorites. And uh, you had Gabby Barrett, by the way, on American Idol the other day, doing Don't Stop Believin'. She was so great. She came in third on American Idol last night. She made Pittsburgh proud. She's going on tour with them, uh, the top seven now. So. She's going to be a star. She will be. There's no doubt about it. Steve Perry was really impressed by her performance. It's the most amazing version I've ever heard. Swear yeah. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, nice to, to get those kind of accolades from Steve Perry. Here's Steve Perry back in the day singing Separate Ways. This is the video. Now, Bill, if you could give me your review of Journey's Separate Ways. First of all, synth, 10 out of 10. Yeah, right. Separate Ways is 80s music, Goosebump City. Um, that being said, the video is absolutely horrible. <laughs> it could have been great. It could have been. It was their first concept video. They could have really told a great story if they had more than a 20-buck budget <laughs> and a weekend to film this thing and put it together. They started it like some wharf or abandoned warehouse. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, an abandoned synth warehouse or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like in, in the movie Footloose, an abandoned warehouse made sense. Dancing is outlawed in the town. They got to go somewhere to get this expression out, right? They go, you know, pop a cassette in the Beatle and right. let's fist pump and skip around the property. This, it, it was just like, Hey, uh, we can shoot down here. Is that cool? <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's pretend we don't have instruments. Yeah, I don't understand that part. They're pretending. It made no logical sense. They're playing pretend instruments. And then they just appear for a shot. And then the instruments go away, but their hands are still moving like they're playing the instruments. It's all air guitar, air keyboard, air drum. And the keyboardist, uh, MacGyver, is so over the top. <laughs> Jonathan Kane, yeah. He almost ruins it for me. He almost ruins it completely when he's doing the pawing thing where he's clawing. What is he doing? At one point, he's playing a rolling Jupiter 8 <laughs> that's plastered to a wall. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? It's hanging off of the side of the warehouse. Why? I, it made me want him to be not MacGyver, but MacGruber. <laughs> Like MacGruber, uh, we gotta we gotta deactivate this bomb, and the only way to do it is if you play keyboard to separate ways. Can you do it? Yeah. Do you think if I <laughs> MacGruber? <laughs> and then there's a girl walking around in the video in the background, sort of randomly. Is she hot? She I, could be. I don't know. I don't know. Eighties hot, white leather. She's buried in a pile of leather and hairspray. <laughs> It looks Can, a couple of times like they might push her off the wharf into the water. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, at one point, she walks into the warehouse or into the wharf. I'm like, she's gone. She's gone forever. <laughs> Anybody care about her? They do the really cool thing in this video. I like that they did in a lot of 80s videos, too, where they the, there's a profile of, a, like, the woman's face, and then a member of the band pops out and sings the lyrics yeah, yeah. staring at the camera while her profile is still there. And Neil Sean, I mean, I, I had never seen him when he looked normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had only Before seen him. Before plastic surgery, yeah. Yeah, when he looked like Howie Mandel got plastic surgery <laughs> to look like Pauly Shore, and it didn't go well. And the, the bass player looks like the Unabomber sketch came to life and found a closet full of jean jackets. <laughs> And the drummer looks like he's not even in the band at all. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's someone's <laughs> uncle who was trying to get into porn 
and Drummond was his backup plan, and he definitely had the connection with the guy at the wharf to hook them up <laughs> with the no, permit to shoot this video. Yeah, there's, Absolutely there's no, no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. He reminds me of Dominic from the second season of The Real World, where everybody else is in college, and then there's just this 46-year-old Irish alcoholic. You're like, what the hell's he doing here? He knew a guy. Uh, and Steve Perry has, like, this extra medium cutoff shirt, and I was reading dude. about the video on the Wikipedia page, uh-huh. and the rumor is that, like, it's, they're filming this at some wharf down in, in Louisiana, and uh, down in New Orleans. Really? And, yeah. And there's like a wind coming off the Mississippi River. And Steve Perry had to keep going back into his trailer because, you know, he looks like he could win DVE's Mr. Puniverse contest. Yeah. He's not the biggest guy. Not at all. And uh, he's got the he's got the cutoff T-shirt there. Look like oh, He yeah. looks like he needs to maybe show up to Sleeves R Us. <laughs> he also has his jeans pulled up to his belly button. And the other thing that I read uh, was that he got a haircut, like, right before this video. <laughs> How did you read that? Uh, I don't know, because everybody was pissed at him because he got his hair cut short. So he gets this, like, oily, feathered cut, flat mullet, where he looks like olive oil in the Popeye movie. <laughs> And they're like, what, what are you doing? You don't get a haircut uh-huh. before a rock video. Oh, it was not. And then he brought his girlfriend. Cherry. And she was super jealous of the chick in the video. I don't know why. And all of the band hated her. <laughs> the other part I love in this is when the uh, the drummer is just playing oil drums. He's he's Sure. They made like a uh, steampunk drum set for him. Again, the for no, nobody of else this is video. nobody else. Like the, the bass player still playing a bass, you know, the keyboard player still playing a regular keyboard. But for some reason, we're gonna steampunk the drums. This video makes no sense. <laughs> At the end, I, you see the chick in bed with the headphones on. Yeah, and I read again. I never would have got this. She fell asleep listening to the song, and supposedly that whole video is like her fever yeah, dream. It's her dream. Yeah. So there you go, separate, separate ways. Awful. <laughs> I mean, the no, I song think... couldn't be better. <laughs> it's a great. In song. terms of like '80s nostalgia, the best. So wardrobe, you give it a. Uh... I give it a three. Yeah, nothing not... really stood out. Jonathan Cain looks like he's dressed to teach a, an English class. Anytime you have a tweed, yeah, tweed blazer and you roll up the sleeves, you don't really have a blazer no. anymore, do you? <laughs> It's kind of like a it's it's kind of like a snuggie, <laughs> right? <laughs> At that point, it's too baggy, yeah. and uh, nothing nothing really stands out. The hair, again, nothing really stands out. I do like. I it. mean, Neil Sean has like a meat oh. mullet where he's got like some hamburger helper on top <laughs> and a pan of lasagna down the back. So, so listen, that's impressive. Listen how worked up you are. Imagine being a kid and watching this over and over and over again. Another thing I like to uh, gauge these videos on, Bill, is the the likelihood of them being able to play their instruments in the setting that they make them do it. I would say it's a zero. Very low. This, yeah. <laughs> on the wharf? Yeah. Hey, guys, let's set up on the wharf. And uh, is there any electricity? Uh, probably not. There's no cords anywhere. Who's going to run sound? Oh, we'll get a guy out in a, in a dinghy. <laughs> He'll run sound from out there. Don't worry about it. Separate ways. I knew I should have done porn. All right. There's Bill's first... 
first venture into music television of the 80s. And if you have one that you'd like Bill to review, well, don't be afraid to send it to us at the DVE Twitter handle. That was separate ways. Which can is- only go up from here. <laughs> Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lane coming up at 8.15. Also, Sean Casey, the mayor, 8.45 this morning, and Billy Gardell, 9 o'clock, DVE. True 11. News this hour brought to you by Channel 11 News on Fox 53. Police in Youngwood are looking for a group of vandals that left a mess at a local park for the second time this month. Authorities say the vandals knocked over several portable toilets in the borough park and pool late Saturday night. That's not cool. That's no bueno. They broke two storage boxes where maintenance workers store tools and supplies. Youngwood Recreation Board officials say the crime is very similar to vandalism at the park that occurred on May 5th. Vandals. I used to be a vandal. Me too. It's so dumb. So dumb. I don't even know what like what the rush of it was. Van- vandalism just breaking <laughs> just something and it. running away in the darkness yeah trying to not get caught me and my brother were just talking about that the other day i'm like oh my god dumb stuff what, we what were we doing i told you we put glitter in that in uh, amy bujanowski's pool uh, and her dad lost his mind i thought he was gonna murder us call the cops state cops were at our house there's like <laughs> a couple of my buddies did a little more damage that night Ooh. so we were all uh, tied in it was basically like goodfellas at that point we were all gonna start flipping knocking each other yeah, off. either knocking each other off or flipping johnny wanted to do the wipeouts on the green go down in that door that that next door <laughs> go in there stop but one day listen this is this is true story one day the cop showed up at my house and they asked for my brother and we're all standing there at the door and they're like are you itch because he used to tag and his tag name was itch nice and so they were like itch. are you itch and he was like uh no they were like yeah you are your friend ratted you out and we had to paint this bathroom down in lower frick like they have like an actual brick and mortar like cinder block concrete thing that we had to paint one weekend <laughs> oh really that was oh no, your- yeah i'm like what are we doing like you could have gone to like I mean, he couldn't have gone to jail you know, how old was he teenager juvie could have gone to juvie and by the way not for nothing but itch is not a good tag to have no tough to Mm-mm. get uh score some points with the ladies when you're like i'm itch they're like oh really they're gonna want to know why bill Take something for that. A Uniontown man is behind bars, accused of trying to burn down his home with his wife and six children inside. Whoa. The Herald Standard is reporting Joshua Sanders started a fire in several spots just before 5.30 a.m. last Wednesday, while his wife and children, one to eight years old, were inside. No. Scumbag. Woman was able to get everyone out and call 911. Sanders is facing charges of arson, attempted homicide, and child endangerment. R. Kelly. Uh. Being sued by a woman who says the singer sexually assaulted her and gave her herpes. Oh, my God. I think his tag name was Itch as well. (laughs) Blister. Itch itch and sore. The woman named Faith Rogers filed the lawsuit in New York City and claims she met the star when she was 19 years old in March of 2017. She says Kelly flew her out for one of his concerts in New York. After the show, she says Kelly came into her hotel room and sexually assaulted her. Roger says they dated for about a year, during which he mentally, verbally, and sexually abused her. Kelly's being sued for sexual battery, false imprisonment, and failure to disclose an STD. This guy is... How is he not in jail? It's unbelievable. 
the stories that keep coming out about him, like that he's enlisting girls to be part of a cult. I mean, he's a cult leader. Oh, I know. Also known as 90s R&B. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's how he hooked him in. There's going to be a documentary on Netflix about his cult one day. <laughs> May that be the first one the Obamas can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that they've signed their Netflix deal. But seriously, though, it, sh- it does go to show you that money goes a long way. If this guy had as many allegations as R. Kelly does racked up against him and he was just a, you know, middle class guy, forget it. Or if he didn't have the hits that R. Kelly had. Like if this was Neo, he he'd probably be in jail. <laughs> so, okay. So you could have money, but yeah. It's all about critical acclaim. You can't be one of the guys from Color Me Bad and get away with this kind of stuff. <laughs> no. The Jacksonville family home of Ronnie, Donnie, and Jan- Johnny Van Zant is now designated as a Florida heritage site at Jacksonville Beach Entrepreneur bought the house and worked with the state to get the historical marker, which was officially unveiled on May 12th. The house is located on Woodcrest Road, one block off Lakeshore Boulevard in a neighborhood the famous Van Zant family called Shantytown. I, I told you before, you have a Ronnie, a Donnie, and a Johnny. You either have to become a, uh, a historical marker or a pants in that. You have one of two choices. <laughs> Journey keyboardist Jonathan Kane reporting that his sometimes bitter feud with bandmate uh, uh, Neil Sean has ended. In a recent interview, Kane said the band has just finished five days of rehearsals ahead of their tour with Def Leppard, and the two have completely reset with each other. So that's good. That's great. Didn't you see how good they got along in that Separate Ways video you were reviewing earlier there, Bill? Let's get back together and play air keyboard and air guitar again. Journey and Def Leppard kicked off their co-headlining tour last night in Hartford with dates scheduled through October 7th in Los Angeles. Paul Simon, currently on the U.S. leg of his homeward-bound farewell tour and is willing to perform songs he never plays live during his performance in Portland, Oregon over the weekend. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer forgot the lyrics to the song The Cool, Cool River off his 1990 album Rhythm of the Saints. He then told the crowd that he would penalize himself for the flub by singing one of my songs that I just loathe. He then said, this will teach me because I hate this song. And then he played Simon and Garfunkel's classic 59th Street Bridge song, which he, he's often said he hates. Hello, lamppost. What you knowin'? It is so corny. It's like mm-hmm. the feeling groovy. It's the it's the corniest of, of Simon and Garfunkel songs. I saw him. Is there a video to it? At Jazz Fest a couple of years ago. Yeah, there probably is. We'll <laughs> review it. He forgot the lyrics to like three songs. I thought back then he was probably, eh, Paul's probably had enough. But he's still going to trudge on through this tour. And I know he's coming through Pittsburgh and the tickets are really expensive. With the technology now, how do you forget the words to a song? I don't know why you don't just have you get a, big a prompter, teleprompter. Right. The Stones have them. Lots of bands I'm do. I'm sure most bands have them. Uh, maybe you saw this uh, news late last night. San Antonio, Texas, a baboon that escaped its crate at the San Antonio International Airport is back in custody. Back in custody? The primate had gotten loose in the baggage handling area of the airport after arriving on an American Airlines flight. <laughs> it was safely captured and returned to its cage. There are no reports of any injuries. They were flipping out there for a while. There was live news footage. The baboon was on yeah. the loose running around the airport. Understandably. <laughs> that that is reason to flip out. I totally. If agree. a baboon is loose, you, you might want to hightail it out of there. Forget the bags. Let's go. I know sometimes I get so brain dead though when I'm flying. 
because I just have music on and I'm reading and I'm not really paying attention to all the circumstances around me. I could imagine just sitting by the baggage claim waiting for my bag and like looking over and there's a baboon next to me waiting, <laughs> not not even thinking twice about it. Is this yours? No. Oh, yours has a banana on it. Is it somebody seeing eye baboon or <laughs> why is he being carried in a crate on a regular flight? It's a therapy baboon. A Syracuse, New York couple is turning to the New York Supreme Court in an effort to boot their grown son out of the house. Get out. Christina and Mark Rotondo say their 30-year-old son, Michael, has lived there rent-free for eight years, and they're done. We're done with you. They've given their son five written notices telling him to move out. How hilarious is this? We're going to put you in a crate and send you somewhere. In one note, they even offered to give him $1,100 and offered advice for moving along with the promise of help from his mother and finding a new place. The family's due back in court in a few weeks, just before Michael's 31st birthday. You got to go. <laughs> Did, does he have student loans? or like what, what is his excuse? I don't know, but I do like that he's just ignoring it. It is kind of funny to me. Sorry, oh, sad. I, I got to leave. You, Mom. Nope. Mm -mm. Sorry, I'm playing Fortnite with Juju. What'd you say? And uh, last but not least, environmental news, Bill. Say goodbye to plastic straws on Alaska Airlines. This summer, the Seattle-based airline is replacing its plastic stir straws with citrus picks and sustainable alternatives on all its flights. Boy, people, the war on straws has really ramped up, has it is not? Is that where it's, yeah, that, that's the front lines. It makes sense. I get it. Sure. In addition, Alaska will be replacing large juice boxes with recyclable cans. This is a continuation of a program to recycle, which follows last year's elimination of beer bottles with cans. This year's efforts were started by Girl Scout Shelby O'Neill, who asked if the airline would do this to save marine life for future generations. Well, that's nice. I'll tell you one straw that I will not be uh, upset to see go is the Capri Sun straw. That one always gave me the most trouble as a kid. You got to take the straw out and then stab the middle of a bag. Doesn't, didn't it? I don't have that kind of accuracy. Or strength. If I ever have to give somebody an emergency trach, I hope I have a Capri Sun <laughs> straw. Because those things look like you could go right oh, into yeah. somebody's jugular and just take them out. It really is a harpoon. I mean, the edge of that thing. Good Lord. But, I mean, just the shame that I felt when, it couldn't, when you couldn't get it. Brutal. It's tough because ki kids don't have finger strength. What the hell are they doing to us? I don't know. I'm done with everything. <laughs> straws are just really the I, beginning of I, the end well i had like uh you know I, I i was filtering my water i've been recycling i'm told i can't use straws anymore which is fine i'm okay with all of it i've been told right but then you see somebody who's like oh you do all that stuff i don't care and they're throwing stuff. one person i know they're like totally erase they totally erase everything you do and yeah you're like why am i even doing this you're trying to make your footprint as small as possible and then Bigfoot McGillicuddy over here just comes stomping down the road. I know some guy told me the other day, he's like, you know, you should use different light bulbs in those. Save a lot of energy. And I was, <laughs> I just wanted to be like, I know that I should and everything, but I, why don't I care about that right now? Did you ever hear Sebastian's <laughs> bit about no. that? He's like, uh, you, you saving energy on your light bulb? I can't see you. You're dim. <laughs> You're dim. 
Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang joining us right now. Mike, hey, good morning. How are you, Mike? Well, I'm doing all right. A lot of little stories there. Sounds like the old world news you guys coming up with. I know. Well, you know, when Valerie's not here, we do our best. But, uh, <laughs> to bail the water. It is not good enough, Mike. You know? uh, listen, we all got to reach for the crutch sometimes, you know. It, <laughs> Uh, somebody who brought it up the other day when Blast and I were doing uh, baseball together, one of our features of every game, and remember the first year I uh, did games with him, we lost 98, so I, mean, I had to throw a little humor in there. So oh, yeah. the, the world news was popular at that time, and so uh, Blast has uh, kind of have a tendency to you know, tell stories and yeah. likes to do that type of thing. So I just kind of built, built a little chemistry, and uh, so I would... I have to go over to the teletype. In those days, we didn't have computers, and we didn't have a lot of that stuff. You'd rip off the copy from the teletype. Right. uh, And I'd take a piece of paper and hold it near the microphone and give that impression and, you know, a little creative work. And then Blast would read one of the world news stories, and uh, as is for gospel and it was truth. And uh, it was actually pretty entertaining. And he can can do it in a way that's uh, pretty... Pretty intriguing, and uh, so it just brought back some memories. Of, oh yeah, uh, of those days <laughs> of two buffoons just uh, totally mangling the news. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And here's another you know, fastball outside. Okay, Steve, you ready again? <laughs> right. It's a seven nothing uh, yeah. Brewers lead right now. Uh, Mike, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you at the end of the season there for the Penguins, and uh, now we're we're watching Mark Andre Fleury lead his team to. His third straight Stanley Cup final in a bid to win his third cup. Uh, this one would be pretty special for Flower. I don't know that there is a parallel for the story arc that Marc Andre Fleury has been the center of in these last few years. I I don't recall anything like it really. Even in my lifetime, where you see a team that uh, has a bunch of ragmuffins that that and nobody wanted. I mean, from the coach and the GM on down, we're all kind of left on the curb. And have all bounced back, and uh, and the players are very much a part of that. I'm not putting Mark Arnold further in that thing because I don't think he was left on the curb mm-hmm. by by any means. But he's kind of the focal point of it all. And quite frankly, really, it's uh, it's a gold rush. I mean, that's what it is. It's a new gold rush here, as far as uh, what's happening. And uh, we get into this Stanley Cup final, and the whole world is going to be behind the, the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, there's no. There's no question about it. I mean, it's uh, the Mighty Ducks reborn, you know. I mean, the the movie's right there, and it's all in place, and it's going to be a tough tough chore for either Tampa Bay or Washington to, to knock them off the perch, and uh, it's it's exciting. I think it's just great for hockey, and uh, now I've been in the league as happy as can be because people will be lining up to get their franchises at $500 million, you know, that, to try and say well, they did it, no, I can't we. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's it's a great story and it's it's great for uh, the sport. Were you surprised, given this motley crew, that they were able to just dice and slice their way and just really dominate the West? You know what, uh, uh, Crawford? It, uh, quite honestly, it uh, from the start uh, they got off to a pretty good start. I mean, they had some tragic situations there in in Vegas early in the year, but. You know what? They've been playing this way the whole season. Mm-hmm. It is not anything that surprised anybody. I mean, they've been dominant at home. They've, uh, you know, they're twelve and three in the playoffs here. They've beaten, you know, everything in the West and handled them. I mean, pretty uh, substantially. So this is not a, you know, it's not a freak thing anymore. I mean, it's uh, they're there for real, and uh, they come to play hockey. There isn't any question. If you're not ready for them, 
uh, you're in trouble. And then the backbone of the whole thing has been uh, the flower, but they've got a lot of other working parts there that have made that team work, and uh, they'll be dangerous. I mean, they're going to – it'll be interesting to me to see how the odds makers really – uh, come up with uh, how the, the the odds will go in the final, whether it be Washington or Tampa Bay, whether or not Vegas is actually favored uh, in that series, and that that's going to be of, uh, of keen interest to me, uh, you know, to find out. The other thing is, when you have that situation, the whole world wanting a piece of Vegas, and then the line gets a little <laughs> bit, you know, out of place because they need the money on the other side. So, uh, but I think it's going to be uh, it, it could be of interest to see whether or not they're a favorite in the in the Stanley Cup final. Mikey, do you think that there are some ownership groups in some other towns that have not been to the Stanley Cup final for a long, long time or have not won the Stanley Cup in a long, long time that are looking at their GM, their coach, their scouting staffs and saying, hey, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that happens every year, actually, Mike. You know, but I mean, this year in particular, hey, these guys started from nothing and they're better oh. than us. What's going oh, I know. on? I know, absolutely. And uh, that's... That's the stunning part of the whole story is that nobody in the world expected this to to, to happen and to transpire. And let's give uh, let's give the people that are running the show there, including George McPhee and a, and a lot of others that are around that were creative enough and wise enough. And you've got to have good people in place to be able to read the uh, who you know who is available and what you may be able to get out of that player. So they did it an incredible job, really, of putting that thing together. And, yes, there are going to be second questions from a lot of teams uh, around the league of people that were lost uh, that could have helped their uh, so-called club. And, and at times, you know, we all have a tendency uh, and to be impatient and, and kind of give up on players at certain areas of their career. And we forget, too, so many times that they're pretty young, you know, and there just may be something there that, that makes it work. But... That's what makes it go around, and so management to me is is a big key to making uh, teams successful. And uh, in, in this particular case, it was you know front and center and right there uh, as far as the Vegas uh, Golden Knights are concerned. So many of their guys have done uh, have posted a career high in in something. Uh, do you do you credit that to maybe the structure and the way they're playing, or the environment and and kind of the culture that? was quickly created or is it a combination you know it's you look at their lineup and it to me it's it's you know they were all placed in the same in the same swimming pool okay uh you know we kind of were we're just kind of throwing in the uh, off the uh, off the list and uh, we're all here together but there's a lot of pride in hockey players and you know that and professional athletes and all of a sudden they're all amongst one another and and that, to me that that's kind of a, a a chemistry feeder if you will uh, to make them want to, to to show people that they were wrong. Well, then it started, and it just kind of grew from there. I mean, all of a sudden, William Carlson's having a, a big year. Marsha's show has proven himself to be a goal scorer. And, and you start adding the pieces all together, and they're pretty decent. And now you go through the lineup, uh, Mike, and you look at down the middle, and they're pretty solid. I mean, they're not. Uh, they've got Carlson, uh, Howla, who's played terrific, Eakins, and, and Belmar, who uh, I think has been really good. So all of a sudden now you're you're playing with a good goaltender. You're, you're playing on kind of equal terms with some teams, and, and now it just takes off and it goes. And and their their structure and the way they play the game, they haven't varied one iota from the start of the year until right now. They swarm you, they come after you, and they play 
hard and they play defensively and they're in your face and they they come in waves and uh we saw what the penguins did with that for two years and winning the stanley cup uh how successful it can be and they're just taking a page and they're running with it and uh they're, they're going to be a tough team to beat mike did you make anything of how the organization after they were eliminated seemed to protect chris letang uh in their summation of his performance and kind of left Phil Kessel hanging a little bit. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I think they had conflicting kind of reports on what was what was or wasn't wrong with uh, with Kessel. I mean, just this is my opinion. I mean, I think I mentioned it to you guys, uh, you know, even before the the last series or whatever. I could, uh, Kessel, to me, just wasn't his skating ability and what he was able to do with the puck. He just, it, it wasn't there, and it... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I honestly felt it was uh, some, due to some type of injury, but that's by the wayside now. And players play on, and uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, the, 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 when you look at the Penguins' numbers, really from the playoffs, they're really good. Actually, they've, they've still scored more goals than any team, game-wise, average than, than anybody else. They they were very good at five on five, believe it or not. They're second only, and now the overall uh, thing in, in, in that their power play was good. I mean, when you got down to the bottom line, really, why they didn't move on, uh, in all likelihood, it's the goaltending. I mean, and I'm not putting the, the stamp on, on Matt Murray, but Braden Holpe played, uh, you know, above and, uh, mm-hmm. and was able to, to, to get it out and, and, and get the win and, and, and finish it up. So, I mean, I don't think the Penguins were that far off, really, from being a team that might be going to the Stanley Cup final once again. It just didn't transpire, and they didn't get a lot of production from their their third and fourth lines, and those were the, the part of the disappointing part. And you know, I mean, Kessel, even if he ke- he, he checks in with two goals, you know, during that uh, series against the Capitals, maybe it's a maybe it's a different animal. But uh, you know, they they weren't that far off really from from being the team that maybe could be in the Stanley Cup final again. Well, along those lines, what purpose did it serve for uh, Jim Rutherford to uh, take uh, Wilson to task with his interview with Jason Mackey yesterday, where he said, I don't know if you saw that, Mike, he, he kind of called him out for not wanting to fight Alexiak. Oh, I, that's, uh, that's more emotion, I think, than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I mean, Wilson, uh, you know, is, he has been a, you can say what you want about Tom Wilson, but I'm going to tell you right now, this kid's a hell of a hockey player. He makes that team from a defensive standpoint on the line that he plays with. He kills penalties. He's strong. He's physical. And when, he's only going to get better. That's the mm-hmm. thing it's, uh, from a hockey standpoint, because he's not going to have to do a lot of that neat he does right. just because of his size and his presence. But make no mistake about it, that kid's a darn good hockey player. Uh, and they've got a lot of good ones on that team. I mean, uh, young kids that are coming, uh, Verona, I think is going to be superb. Uh, and you know they they've got a, a pretty good future, and it's kind yeah. of scary because over the last two years they thought they had the team in place, and they might very well have the have the team this year without a lot of the people that they've had in the past. So uh, no, I, I I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, uh, Tom Wilson's a pretty darn good hockey player. So they take Game Seven, you think? I definitely think they can. Yeah, I definitely think they can win that. Uh, they're seven and two on the road. Um, they they know how to win on the road. They beat us uh, in the series, and yeah, I mean uh, if Holpe is uh, is solid in the net, it's probably going to boil down to goaltending again, isn't it? In a in a seventh game, but uh, 
I, I think they definitely could uh, to, to go past Tampa Bay and, and move into the final. Mike Lang, the Hockey Hall of Famer. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I hope you have a great summer, Mikey. Oh, I'm going to have a great summer. It was a, we had a good season. Uh, I think everybody, you know, when you look back and every day it goes by, you say, man, we could have been there a third time. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. We've had a chance. We could have had a chance. But it doesn't always happen that way. And, and again, going back to what I've said for years, you got 31 teams now, and, and you guys know that the only one's going to win it. That's it. And it's hard to do. It's not easy. Uh, so they're going to have to you know, pull up the socks and get over to work, and maybe next year they're right back in there in that same place and, uh, and try and win another cup. Well, and we'll be listening uh, while you chronicle their efforts to do just that. Mike, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. Have a great one. Talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to love the flower, isn't it? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, the best. oh, my goodness. All right, let's watch some great hockey. <laughs> we'll be doing that. See you guys. Thanks, thanks for having me all year. Oh, thanks for uh, for joining us. We appreciate uh, it. the best. Okay. Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang this morning right here on the DVE. Friends. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is out brought to you by Sports Clips. Great interview there with uh, Mike Lang as always. He's the best. It's so awesome to hear him speak about hockey. It's he's like become this calming influence too, don't you think? Like he's oh, yeah. like this uh, not calming influence. I guess there's nothing to be upset about right now. But he has like this uh, very sort of like wise man reassurance, approach, not reactionary. When I start to get pissed off about Tom Wilson, he's like, hey, hold on a yeah. second. Dude, I was I was glad to hear him say what he said about Tom Wilson because I couldn't agree more. I got that guy could play on my team anytime. Now he's got to rein it in a little bit. But yeah, just get that aspect out of his game. He's still a relatively young guy. He can do a lot of things. Um, he's a monster of a man. He What is he, 6'4"? You heard Crystal Tang talk about he's a presence out there during the Cap series. He, he is. They, You better know where that guy is. And he can do more than just hit you. Uh, and then the, the last thing, uh, take, if uh, you will, on the Penn season, not winning this year, I think, reminds everybody how hard it is to win. Mm-hmm. And maybe appreciate not why they lost this year, but that they were able to do it the two previous years when it easily could have gone the other way. Sometimes you have a revisionist history when your team has won and you look back, oh, they just they were better, they stormed their way through. What it wasn't like ninety two when they won the last eleven games in succession or something like that. They were they were pushed hard to win those first two cups and they were pushed hard in this one and uh, didn't quite have enough, but uh, no reason that they can't be in that mix next year. I expect them to be. But for now, there's going to be a Game 7 in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, Capitals saw to that last night, 3 to nothing, and what a back-and-forth tug-of-war that was, <laughs> uh, much uh, like the five games that preceded it. This is, Bill, you were talking off the air how fascinating this series has been in that there have been like little mini stretches of dominance by each team. Monumental momentum shifts. In terms of the result, and it's, uh, we're going to win, we're going to lose, we're going to win, we're going to lose on both sides. Uh, Caps get a late power play goal in the second period from TJ Oshie to break a scoreless tie and go on to win the game. Alex Ovechkin didn't have a point last night. Wasn't for lack of trying, man. He was all over the ice. But he had uh, four shots on goal, three missed attempts, uh, four hits. And he was flying. They were all flying. Capitals were the uh, quintessential desperate team last night. And it, it translated into a victory that forces a Game 7. That'll be Wednesday night at 8 o'clock in Tampa. This is the fifth consecutive season that there has been at least uh, one Game 7 
in a conference final series. Pirates are uh, getting ready to play the Reds in Cincinnati tonight. Jamison Tyone, 2-3 and three with a 3.97 ERA against Matt Harvey, 0-2, 6.17. Pirates are trying to snap a three-game losing streak. Things did not go the way they intended in the final three games of that San Diego series, particularly in the ninth inning on Sunday when the Pirates lost after uh, leading through eight innings for the first time in 22 tries this year. But uh, how about the weekend for Austin Meadows? Um, called up from AAA Indianapolis with Starling Marte on the disabled list and uh, Meadows making his major league debut. He winds up going 5-for-11 with one homer and two RBI. Good start for him. Pirates will hope to uh, keep things going the way they were against the Reds back in April when the Bucks took three out of four. A rare dominant series against the Reds. <laughs> One of the reasons Pirates are doing better is because they're not losing as often to the Reds, who are 16-32 and 32 last in the NL Central, 13 games behind Milwaukee. The Pirates are 26-20, and 20, two games off the pace. Uh, they trail the Cardinals by game and a half and the Cubs by percentage points as well as the Brewers. By two. Steelers will be on the field today on the south side. OTA's beginning, and uh, they have a lot of stuff to sort through. Uh, among the things I'll be trying to figure out, uh, where does Mason Rudolph fit in the quarterback pecking order? Is he going to be number two this year? Is he going to be number three? Is he going to continue in OTA's, the momentum that he seemingly generated during rookie minicamp a couple of weekends ago? How is the secondary going to work out? Uh, where are they specifically going to fit Sean Davis, Morgan Burnett, Terrell Edmonds, and possibly Cam Sutton? What is that sub-package going to look like on passing downs? 6DB, 7? Who plays where? Uh, how much can they get out of John Bostic, the free agent linebacker signed from Indianapolis? Is he a one-down guy, a two-down guy, a three-down guy? Uh, can James Conner bounce back from uh, the knee injury that ended his season last season? What's the running back? Depth chart look like behind Le'Veon Bell. And uh, last but not least, will James Washington be an adequate replacement for Martavis Bryant? Will he be an improvement over Bryant? Will Ben Roethlisberger enjoy throwing deep to James Washington as much as Mason Rudolph did at Oklahoma State? Mason Rudolph is going to wear the number two, and I think Ben should switch to number one just so there's no... You know, confusion. No confusion there. People about might, the pecking people order. People might be confused about that. We'll probably see Ben at most of the OTAs. That's usually his habit. He, you won't see Tom Brady at the Patriots OTAs. Well, he uh, reportedly wasn't there when uh, the Patriots started their OTAs this week. So uh, much for the Patriot way. Eric, so- the, the, the first thread being yanked from the Belichick hoodie. Seems to be a lot of smoke <laughs> up there in terms of uh, things being a little out of kilter. Oh, yeah. Ain't no doubt about it. Don't know if there's any fire, but there's a lot of smoke. Uh, Brady had addressed uh, OTAs indirectly when he announced on April the 30th that he would commit to playing this year. Uh, He talked about uh, some of the concessions he has made over the years. He said, quote, part of this offseason for me is certainly about still preparing for what's ahead in my next journey, my next mountain to climb with this group of teammates, but it's also acknowledging that a lot of people are getting the short end of the stick in my life, certainly my wife and kids. Football is year-round for me. It's a lot of thought, a lot of energy and emotion put into it, but I need to invest in them too. My kids are 10, 8, and 5. They're not getting any younger, so I need to take time so I can be available to them too. Oh, well, that's nice. In other words, I'm pissed at the coach, so I'm not showing <laughs> yeah. up. And I'm going to use my kids as the excuse. Sean Casey, <laughs> the mayor. 
joins us. You do with kids, right, Bill? From MLB TV in New York City when we come back. Also, behind them when you lose. (laughs) Yeah, why not? We got Billy Gardell coming up as well. Don't forget, we've increased the size of the DVE Comedy Festival yet again. We've added a third show. Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast broadcast live from the Rex Theater stage. That's a 420 start on Saturday, June 30th. It's always a blast to see uh, Doug perform. He is he is like one of the funniest guys, and this is such a fun oh, show. He's a pro. If you love movies, if you love comedy, this is going to be a great show for you. And if you're a fan of Doug's, well, as you know, you can't miss this. Tickets available at DVE.com. Doug always invites his comedian friends to be a part of the show. And since there are a lot of comics in town that weekend, huh. <clears throat> who knows who'll be on the day on that day. So get your tickets now to see Doug Benson live as part of the DVE Comedy Festival on Saturday. That's uh, 6.30 at 4.20. Comedy fans aren't getting the short end of the stick, I can tell you that. Yesterday, Sean Casey blasted Billy Ripken in the face with a with a plastic, like, wiffle ball, like, it's baseball. It's the second time uh, Face and, and Billy Ripken have come up newsworthy. <laughs> That's uh, on the way for you. Sean Casey... Recounting what happened there. And a look ahead at this Buckos Red series. Hopefully Billy Ripken's in stable condition. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. And uh, Billy Gardell, of course. 9 a.m. coming up on DCOM. It's the DVE Morning Show. And this happened yesterday on MLB TV. First one, you should try to hit somebody in the third base dugout. Right, right. Make Just, sure I'm okay, safe. Let me, let me make sure. Okay, there we go. I like it. Boom. All right, perfect. You're safe. Oh! Oh my God, Rip! You all right? <laughs> Rip, I'm so sorry. No, you should try to oh, hit somebody. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm gonna get this one. I promise. My eyes are watering. You said, "I'm so sorry." We've done a million of these. I've never got you. In 10 I guess years. I should put my hand up next time. Oh my God! Please Woo. go up. I'm so scared of you right all now. All right. <laughs> How about that right there? Yeah. Sean Casey joining us right now. Dude, dude, what are you doing? I mean, come on, man. What a job. I hit Billy Ripken point blank range right in the face with a wiffle ball out five feet away. Is That's... he in stable condition, Case? Or what? Uh, well, well, Billy, listen, if you know Billy Ripken, he's one of the meanest guys out there, and he didn't even flinch. He just went right to the bucket, grabbed another ball. I looked out there. It looked like he was like, it looked like my six-year-old son with one of the biggest zits in his face. Just looked at me, but it was a wiffle ball, and I just rocked it off his face. His face was all red, and I was like, I thought he was going to fight me. Like I'm, I, I, I share an office with him, and he, there's like two people who likes in the place. Thank God I'm one of them. So uh, you know, <laughs> you go, you go. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I've never seen the pitcher charge charge a guy uh, that just hit the ball. I'm like, I'm like, I thought going to charge me. <laughs> Well, you know what happened. There's a true story. So the day before, I got like, you know, acre and a half, you know, you know, yard out there in Upper St. Clair, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, I think it'd be a good idea to get the kids working. Let's, uh, let's do 54 bags of mulch and uh, 12 bags of dirt and replant like eight plants. I was out there for like eight hours. I didn't realize... I didn't realize how hard yard work is. I come to work yesterday. I'm like, oh, God, I can't move. Like, I can't even move my shoulders. My back hurts. I'm like, 
so then he's like, let's do this nice demo. So I'm like, all right, let's let's do it, you know. So we go to do this demo, and I'm like, man, I, 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 my arms are killing me. I can't, like, I'm not guiding the bat head too well. And that's what happened. I was trying to go to the left to hit a bullet right at the middle. <laughs> There's the 54 bags of mulch I'm blaming. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys do that, I never understand, like, ESPN will always make these guys in suits get up and try to, like, show these fake techniques. fields. Yeah. It, it's not really proven anything. So when you're up there, you had a you had a tie on, dude. And you're know, up- full, full tie, and and right after that, I start pitting out. So luckily, right before <laughs> right before that, I wasn't pitting out. Like that's the worst thing on TV is like, all right, what, I know I'm doing a demo tonight. Like, what shirt do I wear? Because if you wear white, you can hide the pit stains. But if you wear blue, usually you're in trouble. So oh, yeah. I wore blue, you know, so I wore blue last night, and uh, I, but was, I started sweating right after I hit rips. So I'm like, oh, we got to get off air ASAP, or maybe I'm going to have five-foot swells under my armpit soon. Well, he was probably thinking the same thing because both of his eyes probably swelled shut. <laughs> I felt bad because his, his cheek did swell up during the show, and I was like, well, I'm so sorry, bro. Like, my, my bad. You know, I but, didn't know whiffle ball could hurt that bad. Well, they're the closed – Plastic balls. It's not like those wiffle balls that had holes in them. You guys use no, those. No, they're, they're, they got they got the hole. They're old school. They got the holes. They got the holes in them. So thank God. It Do they? Worse. Yeah, it would have oh. been worse if they were the ones without the holes. Oh, the ones without the holes. I mean, oh, watch out. That's not even funny. What, how, did you used to do- when you were a kid? Did you doctor your wiffle ball bat? Like oh, you kid me, hundred. You, you put the tape on the tape. wiffle ball bat, make it heavier. All right, right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you doctor up the ball too. You yeah. know, you maybe like crease it up a little bit. <laughs> you, you know, you, you maybe tape one of the holes. Thing would just zigzag <laughs> everywhere. You take all the wiffle out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Try to make it a ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're like, why do I have this thing? I have five pounds of duct tape around it. And it's freaking now. It's a weapon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We had so much athletic tape on our the one wiffle ball bat we all like to use, and it was bent. You know what I mean? Like, it had a bend in it, but you crease. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they never thought about getting a new one. No. Like, I right, keep taping this thing up. Hey, the Buckos bats, you know, they haven't been too bad this year. They, they they had some pitching woes against the Padres, but nice to see Austin Meadows come up and then get his first dinger as a major leaguer. You know what? Every time I see some guy, you know, like Austin Meadows comes up and goes deep, it's like anytime you see somebody go deep, I, I always think back, like, man, I look back at my career, it seems like ages ago, but like, I, you always remember your first home run. You always remember your first hit. You always remember that first phone call. It's like so cool to see Austin Meadows, like all the all the firsts that are happening for him. You know, I mean, that's just really cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of Matt Harvey fall from grace now pitching for the Reds? How did that all happen so quickly? Yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, I think he just kind of listen. Here's. <clears throat> Here's the bottom line at the end of the day when he was with the Mets. I mean, for the last two years, he's had a 5-9-3 ERA or something yeah. like that. And, he, and, and they, they were demoting him to AAA. He's like, no, I'm not going. Like, why? Because you're Batman? Like, why? what do you mean you're not going? <laughs> right. what, do you mean, what do you mean you're not going AAA? You have a 6 ERA yeah. in the last two years. Yeah, go figure it out. Yeah, like, go figure it out. Like, do so. So he said no, and that Mets said, you're out of here. Obviously, the Reds are, you know, are, are scuffling, and they need some pitching. So, they, you know, obviously, who's not going to take a flyer at Matt Harvey? And he's done pretty well the past couple starts. But, you know, I think, I think his, he, you know, the baseball kind of was a secondary, uh, you know, thing for him in New York. I think he got a little too caught up in the whole uh, lifestyle of everything. Well, that won't be a problem in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Mikey. Yeah, hey, can I get some skyline chili? And uh, you, know, I mean, you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about going out like on a Monday night in Cincinnati. You know, <laughs> he's got to worry about a different kind of runs, though. When, you know, like when he after he ate the chili, he's not worried about runs he's given up. 
Yeah, that's right. Run support in your pants. <laughs> okay, so what do you think the Pirates can do better than they've done? In other words, if they're going to maintain this, what do you think they can improve? They've been pretty good, you know. And I, I think uh, you know. As, you listen. You can always you can always hit a little bit better. I, I think. I mean, I think you know. Bell's getting going, and uh, you know, Polanco's had a pretty decent May. Um, you know, I know, I know the fans, are, the Boo Birds are starting to come oh, out yeah. a little bit with Polanco, but you know, I, he's the one guy. I'm like, I I just think, Mikey. I think you, 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 I want to know if you agree with me. I think he might be the guy that he just is what he is. You know, I, mean, I don't think he's going to go to that next level that we all think he has in there. You know, so I mean, I think I think you know, that's one one place. I think Meadows is going to be a solid player. I think he'll go down, obviously, when Marte comes back. But you know, to get to see what he's doing, I think that's big. But I think the bullpen's been great. Little hiccup the other day. I think the rotation's been a lot better than we than we than we thought it was going to be. I hope Musgrove comes back and does well. Kingham's done nice, you know, coming into that rotation. So. Um, they're they're doing well, man. I think I think that if that bullpen can continue to be successful, the Pirates will continue to do well. So Must, Musgrove will get the start on Thursday. You think? I think so. Yeah, I think he's ready to go, and I think he's going to get the start. And, I, and and he's got good stuff, man. And you know, you look at that cold trade. You know, Feliz has has been good in the pen. Moran's been great at third. And if Musgrove comes up and 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 does well in that rotation, you know, that's for only having Cole for two more years. That that's going to turn out to be a nice trade. Do the Cubs look to you like a team that's just kind of screwing around until they have to put the pedal down, or do they have some issues? No, you know what I think. Well, I think they we we feel like the Cubs have scuffled and they're twenty five and nineteen. You know, so so you know I think I think they're at some point they'll make a they'll make a run. There's no doubt about it. I think Darvish has kind of been up and down. He's been he was their big sign in the off season, but they're too good, man. They're loaded, and I think they're gonna they're they'll probably make a run at some point. Last week we, uh, we had Stan Sabern on case, and we started talking about, and I don't even remember what the impetus for this was, but we started talking about manager meltdowns and the top <laughs> manager meltdowns of all time. <laughs> and one of them we had in there was uh, your buddy Jim Leland, uh, and it was the meltdown he had post-Barry Bonds meltdown where he screamed at him at spring training. Apparently after that, Stan said, was the one where he really melted down. I can imagine in your time, you always got along with the guys you played for, including Leland. So is it tough to be like, oh, no, you know, you're laughing with a guy, and then when he gets pissed to actually take it seriously? You know, well, you know what? A guy like so, so Leland was the best. I, Leland had some of the greatest meltdowns after, like <laughs> during the game, then after the game too. But Leland was great because he was like, he's like your dad, kind of like you're like you love your dad. You know, you, you as you get older, you might have a pop with your dad, and then if your dad snaps, you're like, oh my god, it's my he's gonna kill me. Like yeah. you're scared of him. Like, <laughs> so, so Leland, you were always kind of scared of, even though he was your buddy at batting practice and stuff. So this one time we're playing the Rangers, and we lost three in a, we lost like four or five in a row in Texas in, against Texas. No, three in a row. Against Against Texas, five in a row total, and Leland was starting. You could when we st- when you start losing, you could tell like, oh, like Jim's getting pissed. Like we gotta we gotta win a game here because he's starting to get pissed off, right? So he after the game one time, he comes in the he comes in the uh, he comes in the clubhouse. He's like, everyone sit down. And I'm, now I'm like scared. So like I'm next to Curtis Granderson. I'm like, and he's a rookie Granderson. I'm like, sit down, Grandy. I go here we go, buckle up, you know. So he comes in, he just starts going off like, you know, you you, you got to be kidding me. We just, we, you know, and and um, I think it was I think it was uh, John Burkett was was pitching at one point, and he he threw um, 
uh, he threw like a complete game three hitter, and he was throwing like 84. Yeah. He's like, we just got beat by an American Legion pitcher. An American Legion pitcher just threw nine innings, three hit ball. <laughs> he goes, you gotta be kidding me! And, and Donnie, Donnie Slot was the—it was great because we had all these Pittsburgh guys. Donnie Slot was the was the uh, was the um, hitting coach, and he Don Slot would always throw you these like, ping pong balls in the, uh, in the in the in the in the before the games in the cages, you know, for like your vision. He's like, we got ping pong balls bouncing all over the place, and we can't even hit an American Legion pitcher. You gotta be kidding me! You know? <laughs> so, so he goes in and out, comes. What Jimmy's big thing was he'd go to his office and then he'd come back, right? So he goes to his office. I'm like, don't get up, guys. He's coming back. So here he comes. He comes back and he's like, I got one more thing to tell you. He's like, if you guys go out tonight, be careful because you might just get arrested for impersonating a baseball player. <laughs> 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 How do you not laugh at that moment? Oh, right there. I, right there, I started laughing. I just put my head down, like, dying laughing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Sean Casey, MLB TV. Casey, it's always a pleasure. Come back in and hang with us when you're back in town. I can't wait, guys. I can't wait to see you. Tell Gardell he's the best. All right, man, on. we'll do All that. Right, see you guys. Talk right, we'll to you guys see. soon. Sean Thanks. Casey, Billy Gardell when we come back, TV. I gotta tell you, if they're in my house peeing, I think I did pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're it's, you're ahead of the game. Right, it's they're on third base, <laughs> and it's looking like a suicide squeeze. And I don't think that Hopefully they're gonna not. be like, should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Oh, over the top toilet paper. That's it. I'm cabin out of here. Well, I forget who said this, but it is important if you're a single guy and you want to be in a relationship or attract women, you have to have a nice bathroom. If you're oh a single God. guy living to. alone, the fact that you have toilet paper is probably impressive. That's a big deal because that's technically the first time a woman's going to pull her pants down in your house. <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Billy Gardell joining us live from Los Angeles, California this morning on DV. What's up, cousin? How are you? Hello, cousins. Cousins. <laughs> so, flurries, all I got left to root for. Yeah, but that's playoffs. a lot. Yeah, yeah, but it's, he's the only one keeping me interested in this, to be honest with you. I know, but wouldn't it be great if he beat uh, yeah, Ovi? Yeah, I got to root for him. You know? Yeah. I keep oh, yeah. saying it, but really, If he beats anybody at this point, it's such a good story. Just beating yeah. the Capitals would be great, though. Yeah, that, yeah, really fantastic. We if feel like he's done. still kind of a penguin if he does that. Yeah, nah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then that we don't have to see that stupid Russian dance. Capitals are four. Oh, I hate that. The, the, oh, the Kuznetsov. Uh, yeah, Fort Flying Eagle. The Capitals whatever are four and eleven in Game Sevens, and the Lightning are five and two for whatever that means. All right. Well, you know, never tell me the odds, as Han Solo would say. Let, let's see what happens. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the Wookiee origin story. That's the movie I want to see, Bill. Yeah, apparently. It would, I didn't realize Chewie was about 200 years old when he met him. Holy hell. <laughs> he gets around good. Yeah. He aged well. He got one of them UPMC double hip transplants right about 125. <laughs> 125, I put another 100 on him easy. Yeah, he's good to go after that. <laughs> that Wookiee gets some new hips. He's going to be usable for about a millennium there, Bill. <laughs> some 
saying. They ran him all over the Death Star when he was like 220 years old. That, that's, that's like taking your, your grandfather to a three-legged race at a picnic. That's, that's a little much, man. That's a little much. It's a lot of cardio for a 200-year-old. You know, at one point yesterday, I'm 220 years old. I can't be running around the Death Star with you people. <laughs> Jesus. I heard somebody mispronounce it the other day and call it the Millennial Falcon. And I was like, Millennial Falcon? That would be an Uber. It would it'd be yeah, like the Millennial Falcon. It wants to start. It just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has to borrow it from its parents. Everyone gets equal time being the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Val's on vacation. I'm doing news. You want to hear oh, some boy. You want to hear some I news? Do. I do. Well, representatives, uh, well, first of all, hold on. The weather from the uh, uh, Channel 11 Weather Center brought to you by Dormont Appliance. Channel 11. News this hour brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. And, uh, Bill, representatives with AAA say gasoline prices in Pennsylvania. I don't know what you guys are dealing with out there, Bill, but here we're, in PA. We're supposed, to be, we're, supposed to be by, we're supposed to be at $5 by the summer. We're among the highest in the country right now here in Pennsylvania. I know you are. You guys are always among the highest. I don't know why. Analysts say the Commonwealth is averaging $3.09 per gallon of regular grade. Terrible. Damn Representatives say it's the 10th highest average in the country and it's partially due to Pennsylvania's gas tax. Partially Man, that's due. High. Yeah. Uh, American Idol last night, Bill. I don't know if you and Patty were watching. You know we had a Pittsburgher in the finale. No, I did not. Gabby Barrett. Was Did she win? She got the bronze. She came okay. in third. But I, I was rude for I really thought she was going to end up winning. I She's did. a star. Well, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of hers now. She's from, from Pittsburgh. That's fantastic. And, hey, look, a bronze on that show means a good career. I know? totally agree. And her dad's yeah. a, her dad was one of those guys who worked a couple jobs to make it happen for her. You know, and, and her parents went. They're from Munhall. They went to all the uh, – all of the shows, and her dad would just wear his baseball hat on backwards. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it was a bucko hat. He'd have it on backwards, and it, you know, well, they, they were probably like backwards because those cheap animals wouldn't show the pirate logo. Right. You have to pay twelve cents, so they probably told him to turn it around. I love that he showed up in the black and gold. Though. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> hey, you see that Seacrest boy does his show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on you know, that American Idol. She sings like a bird. She sings like a bird, I tell you. She's good, too. Well, she didn't win last night. Uh, 20-year-old from Iowa, Maddie Poppy, was the winner. She was handed the title of American Idol. During the okay. second part of the show's finale, Caleb Lee Hutchinson came in second, followed by Gabby Barrett in third. All of the top ten contestants were in attendance. Some also took the stage. A lot of uh, surprise guests last night. Uh, Poppy got to sing alongside Kermit the Frog. That's cool. While Hutchinson performed with the country singer Darius Rucker and Gabby Barrett, she took the stage with Judge Luke Bryan, who sounds like Kermit the Frog. Now, now I don't know what you're trying to say, man. <laughs> trying to say I sound like a puppet? Now, I, I don't. They'll all be I'll say this about Darius Rucker, man. He's a neat guy and a super kind guy. I worked with him when we did... Um, Sun Records, uh, down in Memphis, uh, you know, one of the uh, original recordings that Sam Phillips did at Sun Records was a chain gang of uh, convicts from uh, the, um, the Memphis State Prison, and Rucker played the lead singer of that group of guys, and he was actually in prison wrongly for life, 
and yet he still agreed to come in and, and do the, the, the song. And uh, he was just a neat guy, man, and a very cool guy, too. Wait a minute. His character was in prison wrongly for life? In prison wrongly for life. For life. And Imagine. Darius came in, and, and he played that part. He played that part, and then uh, and and the guy he was playing knew that he was in for being wrongfully accused, and you know, but it was at a time of heightened racism, and and they they locked this man away forever, and he still agreed to come in and put his voice on on uh, record to oh uh, the character to like kind of leave wow. leave a mark, isn't that heavy? Yeah. And he he played him so cool too, man. I got to tell you, he was really good, really good, and a really kind guy. Uh, well, you know, he was on American Idol last night. You know, Kermit the Frog, that reminds me, you know, your, uh, your, your buddy, Melissa McCarthy, is going to be starring in a movie with the Muppets this summer that is, like, R-rated. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> she's nuts. I talked to her about a month and a half ago, and she said, yeah. She goes, I got a really twisted Muppets movie coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it looks hilarious. It will be. It will be. It's a it, good idea. It does, but I, but I tell you what, it's Jim Henson's kid doing this. Yeah. And he's getting a little pushback from the old guard. Well, of course he is, because, you know, you don't want to desecrate that. But, it, you know, we got a little pushback when we when Bad Santa came out. Right. You know, it's this is the adult Muppet movie you watch after everybody goes to bed. You know what I mean? Right. That's it's not what, like Kermit the Frog is in it. No. <laughs> no, but it's you know you know you watch you know it's the same thing at Christmas you watch the claymation Christmases then you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas then you watch uh, you know the Polar Express and then everybody goes to bed and you you pop some corks and you watch Bad Santa. Bill, did you Good and day. Patty get up early and watch the Royal Wedding? Yeah, I was up about oh God, I was up a half hour before it started. No. <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm, I thought it was beautiful. I love them as a couple. I love the way they handled everything. But uh, you know, to me, that's it was like it was like a football game that uh, that I, you know, I might have watched if it was on at one and there was nothing else on. So I just caught the highlights like I would at ESPN. <laughs> well, I just watched CNN for the highlights. <laughs> on. I like that. You know, yeah, that's a good call. Me and O'Connell were flying back before it happened, the, two days before it happened, and we were reading about those hats I told you about. Fascinators. We want to get some fascinators. We want some Pittsburgh fascinators. I want one that's just a hoagie. It's just a giant hoagie that goes out and bends to the left. And then Joe's going to get one. His He wants the plate with the deviled eggs actually on top of his head so he can reach up. they got to be edible, though, Bill. Yeah. I'd like to get a hat with the incline going up it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like six of us going down the PNC Park with those on. Well, newlyweds Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are delaying a honeymoon to carry out some of their royal duties. <laughs> royal duty. Uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. That's right. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are taking part in a garden party today to kick off 70th birthday celebrations for Harry's father, Charles, the Prince of Wales. So uh, that'll be lovely. It's the couple. One of my favorite things, Randy, when I, when I, when I was watching the, the highlights you know, on CNN was, yeah. uh, was they said, the royal couple will stay at the castle tonight. Well, where are you going to go? Right. I mean, you're at the cat. Where are you going to run down the Holiday Inn and go, well, this is nice, son. 
They got an indoor pool here. It's about four <laughs> feet by four feet. We could soak in that for bed. What do you think? Yeah, they're staying at the castle. <laughs> that must be so weird. Like, I want to see inside the castle. Is it all yeah. like old, moldy, grimy rocks, or is it just all? They just don't let anybody in, like your one friend that doesn't let anybody into his house, because no. not because it's real nice in there, but because it's real dumpy. Now we're redoing a, a, the kitchen. No, I, I think people in. like us are just not allowed to be in the castle. Like, I would ride up there like Yosemite Sam. Lower the drawbridge! <laughs> Lower, raise it! Raise it! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like Noah's Ark inside. Who knows? You know, it might be a Kennywood ride. Got to get past the moving floor. Past us. They're going to be honeymooning uh, on a safari in Namibia, or as our president calls it, Nambia, which is. (laughs) Wasn't that a closet where a bunch of kids disappeared into another dimension? No, that was Narnia. (laughs) Narnia. All right. How long do you think it takes you to get ready in the morning? The average, according to a new survey, is one hour and two minutes. Oh my god. For this show, I'm I'm hitting the under by an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah listen, I, I've seen both of you early in the morning. I don't think you're taking more than 10 minutes. No, <laughs> it's there's no doubt about it. Well, here are the top 10 things people think about as they're waking up and they consider before they leave the house. Number one, the weather. I always look at the weather. Well, I shouldn't say always, but... I never look at the weather. When it's when it's the winter, I don't look at it because I know it's going to be cold, and I just put on you know winter clothes. But right now, I, I don't know what the hell it's going to do. Could be pouring I, rain. I, I usually open my eyes and say a little prayer because my head's usually up about ten minutes before I am. Oh boy, you're lucky. Yeah, so I, I open I open I, I open my eyes and say thank you for letting me wake up. Let's start there. Please don't <laughs> let me think about myself today, and then let me be of service and. You know, let me not open my mouth with every opinion I have. And then I wow. go, I try to muddle my way to the bathroom and then scrape whatever's grown in my throat during the night out of it into the sink. Let me, Bill. I just start beating on the snooze button. Damn it! Again! That's just a fight. You know what? I gave up the snooze button. Because I would hit it three times. It's just a fight that I had for 15 years that I've realized I'm never going to win this one. Never going to win this. It's never satisfying. Ten minutes is like an electric shock at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Every I, ten minutes is like, oh, God, okay, okay. It's too much. I did that too, Bill. I got rid of the snooze, and the first day I did it, I forgot I didn't have a snooze. So I hit it, <laughs> and it just turned it off, and I went right back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they uh, they say the second thing that people consider, wake up thinking about what you have to do for work. I mean, of course. I think none of this repl- applies to us because we are just rushing to get here because it's so damn early. It's not like we have time to contemplate anything. Uh, something health-related. Uh, yeah, how- that's my first one. Thank you for letting me wake up. You know, A household chore. I make the bed. I once in a while have something I forgot to do that Patty told me to do pop into my head, and I go, ah, and then she thinks my back hurts or something. (laughs) I I like your wisdom, though, Bill, of saying that prayer, like, let me just not think about myself today. I, I have said maybe three or four times in the last couple of months, I'm not gonna let you push me around. 
And I was yeah. talking to myself. Right. You know, I understand that. I do. I really do. Uh, social media. A lot of people reach for their phones first thing. Um, I can't dip into that till after coffee and breakfast. and You know what I mean? I, I'll do it to see who won the late games. Yeah. Mm, that's, that's about good. it. Uh, getting your kids to school. Yeah. yeah. Worrying them first up. That's early up. You're already out of the house before that happens. Yeah. Worrying uh, about your morning commute. This is one that I think applies to everybody. Can I get away with not washing my hair or maybe not showering? Yeah, I think that's a thought everyone has. Every morning. What you're going to wear? Dude, I've thrown together some of the sloppiest outfits <laughs> coming in here. You know what I started doing, and, and it really does help? Putting them out the night before? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. Sure. Not laying it out like it's a Kennywood outfit or anything. I was just, just... going to say, do you lay out your Kennywood clothes? <laughs> no. <laughs> you beat me to it by one second, Alex. <laughs> and... Well, see, Bill, that's because I have uh, a little person that jags me off inside my head, and that's who I was talking to earlier. <laughs> but... Does it sound like me? Yes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Sounds exactly like you. <laughs> But Bill, like me, has uh, now honed his uh, his morning commute down to the exact minute, and so yes. if you screw up a wardrobe, you don't have, you don't have time to look for clothes. You have to. If I miss one light, right? I know it's, it's very precise. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, you have to. You got to be precise. If one yellow drops two seconds early. That's it. I'm gone. If I get behind 34C, that bus kills me. Yeah. Uh, Family issues is the last thing they say. The survey found we only spend 11 minutes on breakfast because we're so rushed. Almost a quarter, quarter of us usually eat it on the go. Oh, dude, I crush, I, I crush cereal in four minutes tops. And the average person ends up skipping breakfast, breakfast once a week. Shouldn't do that. And last but not least. You know what? We never eat breakfast out here. We have coffee. Will has a latte and an apple. Does that count as breakfast? No. Uh, we don't ever eat breakfast. You should go for a little breakfast. Bill, this sounds like nonsense, but apparently there's some science behind it. According to a new study, taking your got? shoes off at the front door will help you lose weight. How's that possible? It has to do with tiny chemical particles we come into contact with every day that mess with our hormones and promote fat growth in our tissues. They're called obesogens. That sounds plenty of those. <laughs> it sounds like a pill you take. Obesogen. Uh, they're even in everything from cleaning products and cosmetics to processed food and the dust floating around your house. And that's why taking your shoes off matters. The study found taking them off at the front door can make a big difference in how many obesogens you're exposed to. Because you don't track as many into the house. What? This sounds like crap. It's not yeah, clear I'm how much weight point. you could lose, but some people think it could be one of the reasons why we've collectively gotten bigger and bigger over the past decades. I have a theory. It's because we eat like a, an entire buffet table with every portion. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that you can order like a brontosaurus burger out at dinner and now for four bucks. That has nothing to do with it. And there's chemicals shoes. in it that your body can't shoes. break down. You know what? You, you could chalk this one right up with that... That senator that said, uh, you know, oceans are rising because rocks are falling. Right. <laughs> you put put this right on that list because that's where that goes. Oh, we should have put that in a hot take time machine. That would have been a good one. Yeah. I, yeah ocean levels are rising because of erosion. 
It's the rocks in your head, you jag. The DVE Comedy Festival has expanded. <laughs> we've birthed another show. Bill, we've added Saturday to the schedule now, and we have comedian Doug Benson coming to Great. town. He's doing Doug Loves Movies, the podcast, okay. live at the Rex Theater at 420 awesome. on Saturday afternoon. Get your tickets for that right now. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta has got your sports right now. On the DV Morning Show, Billy Gardell's hanging with us live from Los Hi. Angeles, California. Sports this hour brought to you by Sports Clips. Uh, a little addendum to Sean Casey's Jim Leland story, which was hilarious. <laughs> Leland chewing out his team for losing to an American Legion pitcher. <laughs> John Burkett. Yeah. Beaver uh, County's own. Case called him Burkett, which I think he did the Tony Dorsett, Dorsett thing yeah. at some point when, when, when he first came. In the prominence, he was John Burkett from Beaver, and yeah, he did not throw hard, but he knew that, and he worked around that by uh, throwing strikes. He didn't walk people, fielded his position impeccably, uh, handled the bat just well enough, moved runners and whatnot. He wound up appearing in 445 career Major League games, 423 starts. His career record was 166 and 136, led the National League in wins, in 1993, when he went 22 and seven for the Giants and pitched in the postseason with the with uh, Texas, uh, Atlanta, and Boston, so he did pretty well for a Legion guy. Oh yeah, it's a hell of a run. Yeah, I don't think he was uh, dissing him by any no, stretch of the imagination. But Leland was. Leland but, was. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he knew how to get it done. At 423 career starts in the major leagues. Pretty, pretty good. You can do that. I don't care how hard you throw. Uh, Jameson Tyone, hopefully he'll throw harder than 84 tonight when he faces the Reds in Cincinnati. Tyone's 2-3 and three with a 3.97 ERA. Matt Harvey, 0-2, 6.17 for the home team. Pirates are 26-20. and 20. Yeah, you know, that's only uh, two more losses in the Braves, who are being the darlings of the league right now. And not, there's not many teams playing uh, much, much higher than 500 in the National League. So right now... We're right in the thick of things. Yeah, doing okay. Three game losing streak notwithstanding. Reds right. are Reds are sixteen and thirty two. Uh, they've lost two in a row. Pirates beat the Reds three out of four in Pittsburgh so to you, in April. To you, Mike, I would say box. <laughs> I was curious about that. Mm-hmm. I, got, I think yeah. that fits. Yeah. Oh, box. box. Yeah. Surprisingly optimistic. Box. Box. Capitals beat the Lightning 3 nothing last night in Game 6 of the ah, Eastern. They're just a bunch of pigs. Conference final. There will be a Game 7. That'll be Wednesday night in Tampa. Fifth consecutive season that at least one of the conference final series has required seven games to decide. Not a big Caps fan, huh, Bill? Pigs. I wish we could walk them back across the Bridge of Spies. Hashtag all pigs. All pigs. Bridge of Spies. Good movie. <laughs> Who played Ovechkin in that? What? Who played Ovechkin in that? I think it was that little guy with the glasses that Steven Spielberg loves. <laughs> <laughs> the Stanley Cup final will uh, start on Monday, May the 28th. That'll open either in Vegas or Tampa, depending on the result Wednesday night. Flower! Come on, Flower! Tampa and Washington. Speaking of Flower... Jim Rutherford, the Pens general manager, uh, revisited the scenario that saw Marc-Andre Fleury 
leave Pittsburgh and land in Vegas. Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, talked with Rutherford yesterday. Said Rutherford of the Flurry saga, quote, we did what we had to do. It was tough for Mark those two years when Murray came in and outplayed him and played the majority of games. Whether there was expansion or not, Mark wanted to move on. He and I worked together on that. We worked and worked and got him to the place that he wanted to go. He's taking the opportunity and taking it to the limits. I am very, very happy for him. Most Pittsburghers are. Yeah. Although most seem to have failed to grasp that you can be happy for Flurry and still understand that the Penguins did the right thing. Yeah, it's not like he went to the Patriots. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, you have to kind of be an adult about this. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, that's, you know, that's always an option. Seems to be less frequently explored. Yeah, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like he went to the Flyers or the Capitals. It's not that, Bill. What's happening in this town, which is super annoying, and I'm sick of talking about it, is whether or not the Penguins should have got rid of Matt Murray and kept Flurry, which is just some of the dumbest no, no, use, no, mostly no. used to speculate. Somebody should have said, hey, we got no defense in the middle of the ice, and they're skating through here like the ice capades out at the Monroeville Mall. That's what we should say. Well, come back here and smack some sense into everybody, Bill. <laughs> or, yeah. Or stay out there and, uh, you know. Judge. Yeah, ju- yeah. <laughs> tell us what to do. Have an apple and a latte, and, you know, we'll figure it out. I think everybody here just felt for the situation that he went through and thought that he carried himself with nothing but class through that whole scenario. Yeah, he did. He did. And, it, look, Murray, you can't, you can't blame that series on Murray. Murray, he was under fire because of the lack of defense. I mean, he looked like he was getting shot at with a Gatlin gun. You know, you, you can't carry the whole crew. I'm, I'm sorry. i got to defend Murray in that case. It was like Clint Eastwood driving the bus in the gauntlet. Exactly. Exactly. It was like Sonny at the toll booth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. It was like Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Take the gun, leave the goalie. Yeah. Steelers begin OTAs today on the south side. In another NFL development, the Bengals have signed first-round pick Billy Price, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. He gets a four-year deal with a fifth-year option. Price apparently forgot he was joining an organization as effed up as the Bengals. Uh, After he signed his contract, he was reminded of that, and he immediately responded, can I change my mind? Uh, You know, I think... uh... I think Cincinnati hired a new escalator. Uh, they hired a new escalator operator, too, to speed that thing up to get them out of there when we make them snap after we beat them again next year. The Escaloser. We always do the over-under on the Escaloser at the Bengals games when it will when they'll hit the switch from up to down. Usually that starts about the eight-minute mark of the third quarter. <laughs> yeah. I really do think that thing should go right into the lake. Yeah. It's actually a river. It's a river there, Bobby. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. More with Billy Gardell on the DVE Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. Billy Gardell is hanging out with us this morning, live from Los Angeles. Bill. Hello. Anybody ever ask you to do a commencement speech? No. Actually, somebody asked once, and I couldn't do it. I was working. I don't remember what it was. Like second year of Mike and Molly. I don't remember who asked me. You'd be good at that. Nah, oh, you'd be that. so good at that, Bill. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you're ideal for a commencement speaker. Now look it. Look <laughs> it. Listen. 
<laughs> Listen here. Listen, and me and O'Connell wanted to start a podcast called Listen and Look It. <laughs> That's perfect. Make it happen. Uh, according to the New York Post, <laughs> one out of four Americans say they haven't visited all the iconic landmarks in their own city. I'd say it's probably higher than that. There's so many things to look at. There is. I know I haven't done everything in Pittsburgh. Definitely not. Nor have I. And there's lots of stuff to do that I'm just going to get around to one of these days. I still haven't gone to the Fort Pitt Museum, and I heard that's awesome. I've never been either. 23%. That's that that museum nobody goes to. 23% haven't seen a single major national landmark. 80% have a famous restaurant in town they've always wanted to try but have never gone to. 80%? Survey also found the top 10 American landmarks that people want to see. Here's the American landmarks people want to see. Grand Canyon. Haven't done that. Never seen it. Yellowstone National Park. I've done that. Been there. 0 for 2. Yeah, I'm 2 for 2 so far. Statue of Liberty. Been there, done that. I've never uh, never been up. I've never gone out to it. I've seen it. That doesn't count. The whole Statue of Liberty Ellis Island thing since they remodeled everything and Mm-hmm. Refurbished it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Have they you changed have the words take the yet? Ferry over, right? Uh, yeah. They scraped everything off. Yeah. The Get out of here. Yeah. Tired and poor animals. Yeah. Go, you animals go back to where you belong. Black hole countries. <laughs> they they change it so that instead of holding the torch up in the air, she's just pointing in the other direction. Yeah. Get out. This road's closed. Get out. Moose off front should have told you. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Yep. You been there, Bill? I haven't gotten there. I have. What's that all about? That's pretty cool, man. You can't believe they did it. When you, you you've seen pictures in the books and you've seen uh, you know you've seen it in films, but when you stand there, you can't believe some guys went up there with a chisel and a rope and knocked that out. How many people <laughs> knocked that out? You, you can't you can't get your head around it when you look at it. How many man hours? How many people did died? Oh my God, I can't even imagine. Just making the nose, the nostrils. But, but, it, 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 but you can't get your head around it when you look at it. No one died during the blasting and carving process. That's amazing. That's true. How, however, some of the workers died later of ciliosis oh. or silly, silicosis. That sounds like they're just being goofy. Uh, <laughs> look at Lincoln's ear. <laughs> don't be silly, Kosis. Uh It's a lung condition oh. caused by the dust they inhaled while they were carving the granite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Hoover Dam is the one where 100 people died. Yeah, everybody was falling off into the water. 96 are identified as official industrial fatalities. And didn't people go there also to kill themselves? All the time, That's yeah. like a destination? Yeah. Yeah, that's not on here. Uh, one World Trade Center. Yep. Yep. Under that. Me Under. too. Golden Gate. I mean, Golden Gate's awesome. It doesn't feel yep. like a bridge. It feels like you're kind of on a highway yeah. if you're driving it. Yep. Uh, the New York Aquarium. Also a popular suicide destination. Yeah, it's also popular. New York Aquarium. Nope. Yep. Nope. Third most popular They actually suicide. had a whale in that aquarium. How? You know how big a, a tank you got to have to have a whale? Well, SeaWorld had, like, you know, Shamu. Yeah, but I they, consider those are like outdoor they, tanks, right? SeaWorld was like, you know, it's like, it's like a prison camp for fish. It really was. It really was. Yeah, that was like whale Gitmo. <laughs> the Space Needle in Seattle? Been yep. I've never been. Yep. I've been to Seattle. I just I haven't seen do the, some the needle. And lastly, the needle's cool. FX you get the same effect at the stratosphere in Vegas, and it's a much funner night.
Uh, yeah, good point. And lastly, Gettysburg. Oh, many times. Definitely been. Now, I drove through Gettysburg once. Didn't stop, though. You mean the town or the battlefield? The town. I didn't stop to go see the battlefield. I would have loved to have done that. Because you can actually drive through the battlefield. Can you? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I definitely have not done that. Have you been up there, Mike, for any of the reenactments? No, I've never seen a reenactment. Uh, occasionally you'll see one or two people in uh, period dress. When Ugh. you go. Period dress. Um, so he, the uh, <laughs> along the lines of like stuff that kills you, like working on the Hoover Dam, this was published yesterday by the Spectator Index. In 2015, all right, these are things that killed people. You know how we always like when sharks attack, everybody freaks out, and all of a sudden everybody thinks, oh, the sharks are all turning against us for some reason. Something's going on in the ocean. Well, here's where the real danger lies. Mosquitoes killed 830,000 people in 2015. Wow. That's a lot of people. Mosquitoes. How? Well, they're carrying weird blood. That's why or something. People were running from them and ran into the ocean and got eaten by a shark. So mosquito, uh, I mean, disease and whatnot. Pestilence, as they like to say, Mike. Uh, We kill each other a lot, too. 580,000 deaths per human. Uh, Snow, or snakes, rather. Six, oh, I hate snakes. 60,000 people died because of snakes. Yeah, I, I have an Indiana Jones-like fear of snakes. Yeah, I do, too. I cannot stand the snake. Sand flies. I don't even know what these are. Sand flies. 24,200 people died from sand fly bites. Oof. What the hell are those? I've never heard of that. You know how many people dogs killed in 2015? I'm at 89,000. If it's more than two, that sounds crazy. 17,400. What? Oh, my God. Dogs. Dogs. I see. I think like in India, in places in where there's a billion countries? people, yeah, yeah, and they're just running free. And yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Kissing bugs. I don't even know what those are. That They're the next on the list, and it cuts it by half immediately. 8,000 people from whatever kissing bugs are. Bugs that just don't know that no means no. Scorpions <laughs> kill 3,500 people. Oh, I wouldn't want to die from a scorpion no. bite. Tsetse fly shells. Tsetse fly. 3,500 people die from tsetse flies. Oh, is, dude, look up kissing bugs on the internet. That's nasty looking. Is, is this like in places where they don't have medicine yet? It's the world, Bill, so yeah. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. Uh, them kissing bugs do look scary. They look like stink bugs. No, but look up what it does to your skin. Yikes. Oh, God, that's horrifying. Oh, Where man. Where the hell are these kissing yeah, bugs? Yeah, how about that? Ugh, you look like Deadpool. There's 11 different species of the bug found in the southern United yeah. States. But they have been found as far north as Pennsylvania. Come on. They give you the, uh, is it Chagas disease? Is that how you say that? Chagas? Anyways, tapeworms kill 1,600 well, people. Can we just give Billy credit for the perfect region square answer right there? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> tapeworms kill 1,600 people. Crocodiles kill a thousand people, or they Come did in 2015. <laughs> and a, last but not least, fine. Three fine. guys. Come on. Fell off Mount Rushmore. 
Lions killed a hundred people. Get those people. kissing bugs. You get that chagas. Yeah. Bees killed sixty people. Only sixty. That seems low. Tigers killed fifty. Also seems low. Jellyfish killed forty people. Jesus. Wolves. Wolf. Killed ten people. And sharks killed six. Now that was 2015. Bad year for the sharks. I think the sharks mo- killed no one. Mountain lions probably killed more people than sharks this year already. I think mountain lions got three right now. It's kind of a lot, Bill. You still go hiking up in them hills in LA? <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Just the ones. <laughs> Bears didn't make the list. Bears don't kill nobody. No. Never. He's like I mean, Johnny do, Dangerously. I went hiking in you, LA. You will never, ever read the headline, Billy Gardell lost in woods or injured during hike. Never, ever going to read that. You were doing it for a while. I thought you were going to keep that up. No, we're walking. I, I'm not going in the woods. Yeah, okay. We're not doing that. No. Because I get lost out there. I just look like a buffet to those animals. No. Oh, do you see why they call the kissing bug the kissing bug? It's just two mountain lions sitting up there watching me going, he's going to rest any minute. He's going on there. Be set for the month. The kissing bug is called the kissing bug because it bites you around your mouth. I can't take it. I can't take no. it, man. I can't take it. Come on. That. Come on. It's terrible. Come on. Come on. No. Uh-uh. No. You find them underneath your porches in cement, <laughs> in wood piles, or under bark, or well, in outdoor doghouses. Bark in the wood piles. That's another thing you won't read me doing. You got to seal the cracks around your house. Keep them out. <sighs> Keep them out them kissing bugs. So there you go. Those are the things to be worried about as it warms up now, and there's going to be bugs and uh, all kinds of you know outdoor time where you are exposing yourself to the elements. Mostly, uh, beware of mosquitoes, because that's the most dangerous one. I can't believe hippopotamuses aren't on that list. Yeah, they, don't they kill a bunch of people every year? Yeah, that's what they always say. Hippos are the most dangerous. Surprised the yeah. bears got shut out. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't get on the board. <laughs> Ever since Grizzly Man came out. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should stay out of the Grizzly Maze. Billy, you're going to do Jay Leno's Garage today. I am taking a 69 Cutlass on Leno's Garage. We're going to go drive around Burbank and uh, talk about hot rods you can have on a affordable budget. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, it was good talking with you. I hope that uh, I think ne- next week I really think you should do a commencement speech for all of us. Well, who am I going to give a commencement speech All the graduates. All of Pittsburgh. I never even went to college. Who cares? That's how you start it. Yeah, but you watch watch college football, basketball, so you're good. Come on. (laughs) It's an honorary degree. (laughs) Honorary. Uh, You want me to write a commencement speech for next week? Yeah. How long do you want it to be? Whatever you want to say to people. It All can, right, I'm gonna write. I'll write a commencement speech for DV next week. Yeah, because Michael Keaton did one last week to uh, Kent State grads, That's and cool. Ted Danson did hey, one for yeah, CMU. Keaton's like Keaton's like ten times cooler than me, though. Yeah, you know what I mean, nah, he's like two times cooler than you. Not like ten, at least. 
there. All right, I'm going to write a commencement speech for everyone right now. I'll make it about 35 seconds so we don't take everybody's time. Off. When's that Jay Leno uh, episode going to air? Probably in a couple weeks from now. I'll let you guys know. You know that. And, uh, oh, I'm, it's official. I'm going to do about six to eight episodes of Young Sheldon next year. Look at you. About that. Look at you. And, uh, you know, still floating on the water. They still let me through the gate once in a while. Very excited. Unreal. Hey, man, thanks for waking up with us this morning. Appreciate it, Billy. I love you. Love you back. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. Fox. Yeah. Sure, a hopeful one. We'll go out on that. <laughs> Thanks to Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Lang for joining us and Sean Casey as well. Michelle's up next. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.